Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 14, the video game buffet episode of Gaming Our 30s, the growing old gaming podcast from us, the Goodnight Groups. My name is Matt, and today I am joined by my co-host, my partner in crime, <laughs> Paul. I hope I hope not. I, I <laughs> partner in good deeds. Yeah, I have actually. Yeah. I mean, I, this might be a bad time to tell you, but I have warrants out in about eighty <laughs> yeah. states. Eighty? How do you, how do you ask eighty? That's one of them. That's one of the problems. Yeah, every U.S. state, all Canadian provinces. I think uh, Mexico is actually technically separated into states. It, it is. I think yeah. the, the official name is isn't it like the United. Mexican states or something like that. The United States. I think there is something like that. Yeah. And there's like plenty of states in different, you know, continents and things. So, yeah. There you go. There you go. But Paul, yes, officially the United Mexican (laughs) States. Sorry. Thank you. I I I appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I would have been thinking the entire episode about it. Yeah. But instead of asking you how you're doing this week, I want to ask you what your peak of the week has been. So, Paul, what is the best thing? Number one. Numero uno, for those listeners in the United Mexican States, what is the best thing that happened to you this week? Honestly, Matt, it's been a, a bit of a rough week, but there have been some 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 bright spots. And I'll say, uh, honestly, this week, one of them is video games. Like, just having Whoa. some time to kick back and play some video games. So I'm going to save a lot of this stuff for the water cooler. No, I want you to tell... just. Drop, spill all the beans right now. That's what I normally would do, honestly, yeah. if, if I didn't police myself in this moment. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I played uh, a lot of great games and I got to just have some time like chilling on the couch this weekend with the Steam Deck and and I got to uh, play some Xbox this week. And yeah, just, just, just chilling and gaming and relaxing a little bit has been nice because, yeah, like I said, you know, been some, been some health stuff and things in the week. And so it's been nice to, you know, have that kind of escape and just kind of chillax. Do you like the name... Steam Deck? Uh, not crazy about it. Uh, I like the deck part. Sounds yeah. kind of cool, but I just think Steam, and it's not obviously I know that it is a Steam kind of product, so it's fine that it, you know what I mean? But I, like I understand the logic of it. I, it just sounds weird. I also think it's weird because there's that Elgato product, Stream Deck, and when you Google it, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, that comes up a lot, or people like think you're talking about the Stream Deck. Yeah. People will just call the Steam Deck the Stream it, It's a little confusing. Uh, I think there probably is a better name out there, but I mean, I don't hate it. It's too late. It's kind it's of fun. Late. I think it's iconic. I mean, it's become iconic, I think. Um, although I did tell my nephew on on Christmas, my 10-year-old nephew, uh, about what I my Steam Deck. I, was, I went over for Christmas morning, and I was like, what'd you get? And he's like, oh, I got this Mario thing. I got this thing. I was like, sick. I was like, I got a Steam Deck. He's like, what's that? I don't know what that is. Oh, wow. And he's like pretty big into video games, but like again, it's like what is the sphere, right? He's big into like Fortnite. He's big into like you know, he's not like looking at PC gaming. He plays on like a Switch, right? Everything's Switch. So yeah, I'm like I have a Steam Deck. He's like I don't know what that is. I was like it's kind of like a Switch, but it's like a PC thing. It runs on like computer stuff. And he's like, oh, that reminds me, I got new Joy Cons for my Switch. I was like, oh, we're on you now. Oh, that's cool. We're on you now. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have a I have a question for you that's going to sound dumb because i haven't thought it through yet and i'm not the biggest computers guy sure but can you do local co-op on the steam deck yeah yeah you can how would it work exactly uh great question i don't know all the details but i mean essentially a steam deck's just a computer right so right like any game where you can do local co-op on a pc it works i mean there are games that do that right so um essentially i mean there's a couple but how many of- controllers could you 
plug into it. Well, it's well, what what year is this, Matt? Bluetooth. So I mean, you can hook up like Xbox controllers, PC, PlayStation okay. controllers on Bluetooth, that kind of thing. So I mean, you can hook up a bunch of controllers. Um, obviously, you could like dock it to a piece, to like a TV, if you wanted to, and use it like that, like a Switch sort of. So I mean, there are right. options to do that. I I hate to like say it, but I'm I'm kind of at this point now. I used to give Mike shit about this, but like I don't know. I just like have so many fucking ways to play video games that like yeah. I wouldn't be. I'm not like jumping to plug my Steam Deck into my TV. It yeah. also has an Xbox and a PS5 plugged into it, but like you could do it. Yeah. I don't use when I whenever I use a controller on my PC, I plug it in. I don't use Bluetooth. I never I, plug it in. I always feel some sort of latency when I do that. I've so wow. I have to plug it in. Wild. I mean, there probably yeah. is a very minute amount. I think like modern like modern Bluetooth is very low latency. I don't with my phone. Like when I do the Bluetooth with the controller on my phone, it feels so you're fine. less sweaty about your phone. That's true. Games. I wonder if it's remember how like I can't use I can't use a wireless mouse on my PC either. Yeah, you have so spotty I Bluetooth in that in that room you're in. It's because I think like the Wi-Fi router yep. is on the same frequency and it's right next to the computer. Yep. So I think that's the issue. Happens. So. That happens. I, I have a thing yeah. with like I have this like weird dongle coming on my MacBook. I have another dongle, and that's where I have like a bunch of like my mouse, um, like the USB hub thing for my wireless mouse is plugged in there. Like you know, they have those little like USB things you plug in, and they're like an yeah, RF yeah, receiver yeah. kind of thing or whatever. Right. And if I like put stuff between that little receiver and the mouse here on my desk, it like my mouse gets jumpy sometimes. That's weird. But like it depends what? on what spot in the desk I put stuff. Like sometimes it's not right in front, but it's like off to the side, but it's like in an area where it could like <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah, that's weird. I don't pretend to okay, tune in next episode where we do another special episode where we talk about the history of Bluetooth Ooh. technology. If you want to write that up, I will I'll listen yeah. to it. I hope it's a, it might not be a funny story though. That's the thing. <laughs> it, might, it needs to be it might a just funny be like Yeah. It, this guy was just really competent. Yeah, exactly. It's just a bunch <laughs> of extremely competent, like I think they're like Danish engineers or something like just something that's not <laughs> interesting um no offense to danish folks but i mean you're just very competent and not incredibly yeah. interesting uh <laughs> one last thing i was gonna say was oh i what i saw some people do by the way since you brought it up um i saw some people you know there's steam there's steam deck cases and stuff with like a stand built in kind of like the the new switch and stuff where you, you mm. know it's more like built like that and I saw some people like in their kind of Steam Deck case, you know, like their, their their carrying case or whatever. They'll put like, you know, the power cord, whatever, whatever. And then they'll put in um, like those little like 8-bit dough, like those like Amazon um, little like NES or like little like, you know, those little controllers that are just kind of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like for like old games, old school games. And people will like yeah. put those or like a, a version of those in there. And then if they want to like play split screen with someone or like whatever when they're nearby they could pull out this like kind of like a switch and do like a little thing there um okay. with those little controllers so kind of neat kinda interesting neat. Right. yeah not for me that that too no. small it's all it's yeah. if i had to sit like a couple feet back i wouldn't be seeing the screen yeah so for me my peak was just having the week off of course by the time this episode comes out i'll have been back to work for a week yep. since we record these things a, a week ahead of time but yeah, having that week off, being able to just play a ton of games. Of course, I wanted to be like productive about something, but it just ends up being playing games and just watching so much YouTube and not ever actually doing anything. That's the the, the number one thing about like when you're learning something new or trying to learn something new, 
but you're like procrastinating actually jumping into it and you just keep watching YouTube videos and it's like there are diminishing returns here and at some point you need to, to just like be productive yeah and it doesn't happen it never happens that's okay but that's all right I had the week off I enjoyed the time off I enjoyed the time at home and uh, now I've been back at work for a week and uh, <laughs> as of as I was listening to this and uh, hopefully it went well hopefully it went. I'm sure it did yeah I'm sure it did Matt, before we move on, I just have one quick question for you. Yeah. Iceland is uh, in the North Atlantic. Capital city is Reykjavik. Yeah. Want to go there someday. Do you? That's awesome. I oh, like yeah. That. It's like my number one really? place outside of the, is the Walter Mitty. that I want to go to. Yeah. Well, you. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you're already that was, kind of into it. That was maybe like the introduction to it or like, yeah. you know. Yeah. But yeah, I, I want to go there. Yeah, for sure. Well, going off of that, Matt. Just a wild guess with absolutely no um, time to prep or, or really context for this <laughs> yeah. number. What do you think the uh, total square miles of the Earth is? The surface oh, of the Jesus. Earth. Just, just straight up guessing. Yep. So I think if you take like the middle of the Earth and go around, I think that's 18,000. No, that's way too much. Maybe. No, that's right. I think that's 18,000 miles, I think. So to do, you're, you're asking for square miles? Square miles, yeah. Jesus. You can use a calculator uh, for your own okay. numbers if you want I mean, to. I don't, I don't even know how to crunch that with the calculator. <laughs> so uh, let, me, let me look it up real quick. Let me look up a calculator real quick and just see if I have any concept. <laughs> I got in the United States and Mexico, and then I went to total, like largest countries, and then I, I just it just happened this way. I'm going to guess 330 million square miles. Wow, not bad, not a bad guess at all. I think it's 196 million square miles. Oh, two, just under 200 million square miles. But like, I think that the fact that you were in the hundred million like area is great because I wouldn't have even had a concept for that. Like I would have been like, I don't know, 20 million, 2 million. I don't know. <laughs> like I don't, I have no clue. I think I was very good. I think the 18,000 thing, was that what you, that helped? So I did 18,000 times 18,000, yeah. which is 324 yep. million. And then I, I gave it a little extra bump for like, yeah. I just feel like the, the earth might be a little like, uh, just because of like elevation differences. Yeah. I don't know if that matters. At no, all. I mean, I don't <laughs> I know. No man. You got very so, close. I liked it. I liked it. All right. Well, it was fun. Let's move on. <laughs> What'd you say? 100 and what? 196, 940,000 okay. million. So let's call it 200 million. Yeah, I think 200 million is fair. Yeah. Okay. That's a lot of space. Mm-hmm. Mm. But it's mostly water. I was going to say, how much How much of that is water? Do you, I mean, that's, that's an easier one. Mm. Percentage-wise. How much of the two... Well, isn't like... It's like 74% is water? Yeah, it's 70.8%. Okay. It's fucking crazy. That's Only 57 million of that is actual land. Damn, 140 yeah. million square miles of just water. <laughs> yeah. Like mer people would be living it up. We would be nothing yeah. if there were mer people. You think Tokyo and New York are impressive? Atlantis is oh, where dude. it's at. Killer. Dude. Couldn't even imagine. All right, let's move on to what you got. <laughs> this is getting weird. <laughs> In what you got, Paul and I each bring a gaming-related or gaming-adjacent topic to the table to discuss. It could be a news story from the past week, a general thought or discussion topic, or just whatever the hell we want to talk about. So, Paul, I ask you, <laughs> what you got? 
Oh man, that one was really good. That one, that one broke you a little bit, I think, inside. Uh, yeah. Matt, no, I got a great, uh, I got a great one this week. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. I wouldn't say it's great. It's fine. Sorry, I'm cracking up to you, italicizing <laughs> hell in the show notes so you can go to say it in a weird way. <laughs> I added. I didn't have the word hell in the show notes, so I just added it and italicized it So I, as if I wouldn't remember. Whatever the hell we want. All right. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, no, Matt, um, chill on uh, this being a great question. I came up with it at midnight, but I thought it was pretty interesting. So, uh, yeah, I've been playing a lot. I'll, I'll mention it later in the water cooler, but I'm playing a bunch of Disco Elysium this oh. weekend. And one cool thing I like about that game is that everything is voiced um, except you you're not voiced but like it every, is now yeah everything is yeah exactly now so in the director's cut that that's part of it and so there's kind of this interesting thing where there's a ton of text in that game um, the entire game is I mean it's basically a text-based adventure but with like a minimal graphical interface like I mean you walk around and but your walking is just a way a means to get to another person to have a conversation or to another yeah it is kind of Kind of like a glorified point and click almost. It is, yeah. And you're just like, yeah, exactly. And you're going around investigating areas by like pointing and clicking and, and that kind of thing. So, yeah, I mean, what well, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you're right. It's yeah. exactly what it is. It's, it, so, you're doing that. And then it's like a lot of text and things. So, um, and then, yeah, within that text, I mean, not only are you talking to folks, but you're also like talking to yourself uh, and like talking to different parts of your brain and your body and things like that. Yeah. And so, and, and so, you know, I think like initially that came out very text based. They added in a ton of voice acting. I mean, like full voice acting again, besides your player character for RPG purposes. And uh, so, yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's really cool. And I, and I really like all that narration. Um, and it kind of makes it a little bit easier to digest for me. And so initially I was like, oh, do you like prefer narration or, or dialogue? But then I kind of thought like, well, how do you like to like learn the lore of a video game world? Because I think like there's a lot of different ways to get this and and for mm -hmm. me, sometimes it can be really difficult and I actually sometimes avoid lore based games. And that's why I play a lot of stupid shit like vampire survivors and things sometimes because I don't I have trouble like getting into it and finding a game that like, can tell that story in a great way. And so I was thinking about all the different ways, you know, there's like expository dialogue where characters just like info dump, like lore dump on you. Um, you can have stuff like narration, um, whether it's text or, or whatever. Um, also, like stuff like context clues, I think is really interesting when you have stuff like Dark Souls or, or Elden Ring or something where you know, there, obviously there is some dialogue, but almost all, almost most of it is just kind of like walking around and finding, you know, bits and pieces of story as you, as you move through or finding yeah. like items and things. That's what I came into when I was playing Chassant, uh last weekend. It's like the whole game is kind of empty and you just walk around like finding remnants of something or also encyclopedias and journals and things where they really don't tell you a lot and you have to, you could play the whole game and kind of barely know the lore. And then you, if you go into your journal or, or something you have so much more one that i thought was really cool for this and, and it was interesting to me was um if you ever play tyranny 2 um which i, I think is a, a um uh what the fuck is that <laughs> thing called um uh fallout new vegas who are they oh those obsidian uh, obsidian game you know it's very much like uh, pillars of eternity i think it's in the same universe there's a really cool thing where when you walk around and talk to people and they'll like say sometimes they'll like lore dump on you but it's, it's pretty minor. They kind of talk to you as if you know what's going on in the world. Like you wouldn't go up to someone and say like, it's the year 2024 and like, and so that's why we're doing this. And then like, and, and the war just happened, you know? And then like, you know, they wouldn't tell you what the war is because you should know what the war is. Um, so they had this really cool thing where you would like, 
it would like hyperlink things and dialogue and you could actually just mouse over it. And then if you clicked on it, it would like take you to like the encyclopedia that tells you about that thing. So you can oh, kind of okay. just like ignore all that and just like play through the dialogue and kind of like pick up context and glean, you know, what's going on. But if you really wanted to, you could actually like see without everyone just info dumping on you, you could actually like go into like, like again, hyperlink and then like look into the encyclopedia or whatever and like find out what actually is going on. Or even just like, I think there's like even like a pop-up window that gives you like a really basic understanding. So I thought that was like really cool. That was one of my favorite implementations. Cause it's like, if I want lore right now, I can get it. If I don't, I can ignore it. That was kind of neat. That's kind of like Final Fantasy 16's active time lore system, okay. which I thought was really cool too, because I think I told you about this, but at any time during gameplay or cutscene, yeah, you can, I think it was holding down the touchpad mm -hmm. and it'll bring up sort of like Amazon Prime style. Yeah. Like when the you're watching a movie. Thing, yeah. yeah, the x-ray thing. So it'll it'll focus on something that you're, that's in the current scene and it'll always update as the story goes along. So it'll have like, I think it was like a little blue dot or something next to it if there was new information in there. So you could always go back and look and if you ever needed a refresher on like what's going on in this cutscene, that's what, what's going on in this scene, it's a really cool way to deliver story optionally so like yeah. if you want to do this you can you don't have to do this it's it's pausing the game but like if you want to read more about what's going on feel free to do it it was really cool if you like zone out for a second and you're like wait what the fuck like yeah I, like is this some weird old final fantasy shit that i don't even know like what is going on and then you can just yeah. like pull up they're like we Very know cool. this is confusing you know what would be really great for that is kingdom hearts uh they should have that because mm. that shit is really fucking confusing <laughs> So that might be beyond like, you, I don't know. Yeah. Know, like, the page would just be so long. Like yeah. there'd be like a full, like four page thing. Every, every, <laughs> yeah. every different frame of animation. Yeah. But yeah, no Matt, I, I was, so yeah, I kind of want to put the question to you. I mean, like what is your favorite way to learn the lore of a video game world? I also, I also wrote here, which I think is neat is just like, do you have a preference for like text or like voice or, or, or narration? Cause I, I will say like as much as I'm enjoying the narration in Disco Elysium and I like that that's an option, and I like hearing it. I wouldn't want to turn it off. But also, like, I do still, like, read ahead sometimes and just skip because everyone talks, like, really slow for, like, cool acting, dramatic effect. But, like, it's, like, sometimes I'm just, like, trying to get through, like, a lot of uh, my brain telling me stuff. So, yeah. So, anyway, yeah. Matt, what's, uh, what is your favorite way to experience the, the world of a game? So, first off, I had no idea that Tyranny came out in 2016. For some reason, in my yeah. mind, I always thought it was an older game. Mm -hmm. And I'm on the Steam page right now. It's actually kind of intriguing. I think you'd like it. It's really cool. You can be, you're like a bad guy and you can make like a lot of like, you have a lot of like autonomy in the kind of decisions you can make that can really fuck up the world. <laughs> like it's, it's quite cool. I had it ignored on Steam. Yeah. But I'm going to go change that. I'm taking it off ignore and I'm putting it on the wish list now. Hell yeah. Next Steam sale. So, yeah. I think it's it gets so, pretty cheap on Steam sale, even though it just ended, but you know what I mean? I imagine. And w when I was Googling, everyone's begging for Tyranny 2. Yeah, I know. I said Tyranny 2. I meant Tyranny, but yeah. Very weird how... Uh, yeah, I don't know. Ob that Obsidian needs to go... We talked about this last week, but they, Pillars of Eternity, Tyranny, they need to just go back to that style probably because they're, they they're so really killed that. it at that. Yeah. Yeah. So... You were asking how I like lore to be delivered. So when it's through voice, like narration or like speaking to the character, one game that I think actually does it really well, and, it, and it's not because this game is super lore rich, but the way, I really like how it's delivered through the quests. 
it's going to sound silly, but it is New World. Mm-hmm. And the reason why I really like how they do it is because they clearly limit themselves to how much information they're they're giving you at a time. So like at most it's going to be one short three pages of one short paragraph of dialogue during a quest and like you can tell like that they might occasionally go to a fourth page but it's like a couple sentences next page a couple sentences next page a couple sentences and they keep it all within this little strict rule that they have for themselves and that way you're it's it's not like you're not zoning out because you know that it's about to end so like I don't know. The way that they do it makes me much more likely to actually read and listen because I know there's an end point. You don't have that huge like paragraph that you can accidentally, you know, like you read ahead and then you're like, okay, now I'm hearing how slow we're only back there. Why am I still listening to the dialogue? Exactly. So I think that they're extremely smart about how they do that. Now, with that said, I think that's probably the way that I like story being delivered the most is through voice instead of through text. I also think that for me, a large portion of the story or the lore has to be given through the main storyline or the main quest line or whatever that might be. I don't, I don't really want to have to go out of my way for main story beats. I like supplemental materials coming through stuff like documents or things you can find, but I really hate when that's the main source, which like game like control I'm pretty sure that's Mm -hmm. like the main thing. And there's like endless documents in that game. And so it's just too much reading. I really don't want to be, especially if you're playing it on console and you're sitting back on your couch, like pretty far from the TV. I don't want to be straining to like read throughout my entire game. Yeah. One thing that I really like as something that's different, but basically delivers the same thing as audio logs. I really yeah. like audio logs. Same. Games that do audio logs really well are Bioshock Infinite and the Horizon uh, games. Also, with audio logs, don't make me stand there yep. listening to it. I was just going like, to say. Let me play it and then keep walking. And so, I, I don't know. I, I think that those two games, I, I haven't really played much of the other, like the first two Bioshock games. I assume they probably do audio logs in those two, yep. but I, I don't remember. But Bioshock Infinite, it's the uh, Voxophone, I think is what yeah. they call it. And it basically plays exactly the same way in the Horizon games. I love that way of delivering story. I think it, yeah. even if it doesn't make sense totally all the time, like, why is this here? Why would someone be leaving this in an audio? Like, I don't care. I would rather have that than reading a document. Fallout does those amazingly, too. It's, it's something I really love about that. Because, again, that's a world that's, like, very rich in lore. And, and there is a lot of stuff, like... You you find computers around and you can like go in and read like and it's all in this like green fucking blocky font because it's like meant to be you know retro yeah. and so it's kind of annoying to go through and you have to like the it, you know the the interface is like this like click click and the computer loads kind of slow so you're like reading yeah. through all these like these text logs and they're kind of like annoying to read but when there's audio logs it's fucking sick because you have your pip boy on your wrist it like makes a lot of sense you'll find like a tape. And like put that like tape in your thing or whatever you're like this little oh, like floppy yeah, or cool. whatever. You'll put it in your your thing and you'll collect the audio logs and then you can just like listen to them while you're walking around and and you'll hear like you know whatever log people left and yeah obviously the same as those other games. But I, I just fucking I fucking love that. And if anyone makes me stand around, I actively wish there weren't audio logs in the game. Like if I'd rather have not audio logs oh, yeah. than make me stand around because then I'm like wow, I, I want to, now you've put them here. I really want to know, like, I want to hear all this cool, like, backstory of whatever happened here. 
but fuck if I'm going to like, I start with, it really is very immersion breaking. Cause then I start doing weird shit, like trying to jump on top of stuff in the room and like goofy stuff. Cause I'm just trying to doing, try, I'm bored waiting for like the audio log to finish. And I'm like, this is silly. I'm trying to think of what I'm, I'm looking it up. I'm trying to think of what game does that where you can't and that another one. Yeah. So I really like the idea of control, but it just does so many things that I like with the documents. And here's an example, unless they've changed it. This is from a Reddit thread. Cause I was trying to find what are like, I can't remember the games I've played that, that do this, but yeah, control does this where you can't, you can't listen to the audio log while you're playing the game. You have to be like on the screen oh, like at a menu. looking looking at the document. So it's like I might as well fucking read it then. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I'd rather read at that point. That worries me about Alan Wake 2, honestly. I, I hope that that's not something that they did for Alan Wake 2 because I do want to play that game. And I assume that a lot of the lore in Alan Wake 2 is delivered very similarly to Control. So I, I, hope, that, I hope that they have fixed that for uh, Alan Wake 2, but I, yeah, Control is, I can't think of other games I've played that do that. Apparently, um, Callisto Protocol does that, which is one of okay. the big uh, complaints about that. Death Stranding has a lot of things that you have to read, I remember, and I don't think it has audio logs. It's just a lot of reading, and I didn't read all of it because it's just a lot of shit. I really appreciate the work that devs do into creating stories by just writing a ton of supplemental lore and stuff through like whether it's documents you're finding like emails or letters or whatever the case might be i think that's really cool it's just we got to find new ways of delivering that because the old school way of just like bringing up text on a screen it just doesn't work for me i i don't know i would assume the large majority of people who play games are not stopping to read those things no definitely and then we have folks like our friend spencer who like playing the witcher three is like i want to read every book and it's like dude i yeah. hear you because the books are interesting but yeah. like fuck i just like there's so much other shit to do like i'm never <laughs> not gonna read all the books i would love to do that and, and honestly one really cool thing that new add-on that they have added to world of warcraft yes. where the ai voices the quest text i'm very interested in trying that because i've played wow for so long but there are some quests where I know the objective because I've done it like 37 times, but I don't actually know all of the quest text because there are some quests I've probably never read the full quest text ever. Matt, I've never read any te quest text ever. For any <laughs> like you don't know the, uh, you never read the quest text for Billy McClure and in, in, in the Stonefield. Maybe farm. that one, but I think a lot of the, the knowledge of that is like context, but I like skip yeah. all that shit, man. It's wild because I'm just like, I don't know. It becomes like a, a lot of wow is like, you know, the theme park of like objective, objective, objective. How many boars do you yeah, have to kill? Yeah, for sure. But like, I would love to, as someone who never reads quest text, I would actually love to have that story and like that why I'm doing it would be actually really sick if if the person actually told me and didn't like hand me a letter that yeah. had it all written out. It feels weird. And it does. I, I've seen people on Twitch playing with it or on YouTube or something. And I know it does continue playing after you've accepted the quest. So you can just walk away and then it, it'll it'll keep playing. So that's, that's cool. very intriguing. I don't know why I haven't done it yet. I think mostly because for me, WoW is a game where I have something on the second screen anyway. Yeah. So I would have to change how kind of how I play the game a little bit to do that. But but it is very, very intriguing. I may, I may just have to do a run through Elwyn and get the full story of Elwyn someday. What about you, Paul, though? Like, what are your... 
do you have any specific hangups as far as storytelling like I do or what? Yeah. I mean, how do you like it being delivered? Yeah. I mean, I think it can be tough. I like you were saying kind of, I definitely prefer dialogue. I'm not much of a reader when it comes to games. Uh, I don't, I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I think it's just cause I don't often have time where I'm just alone in a room at my computer with like hours to spend where I would just like kind of fully immerse. And so I think in that scenario, I like to have more of like a cinematic experience kind of going on where it feels like, I don't know, it, it's weird where I just feel like I'm kind of like in a bit, I, I don't know, it's strange to describe, like I'm in a conversation with someone, but I'm not like having to, there's something about reading it where you feel like you have to kind of put yourself in the context of that world to like understand what you're reading. And if someone says it to you, you don't have to do that as much. It's, it's yeah. really, there's like more of a passivity uh, about it. And so I like that. So I definitely like the the voicing a lot more. I like it as an option for sure. I also, in general, am not crazy about like, as much as I think it's a really cool way to tell stories and I wouldn't want to ever stifle this for anyone else, I personally don't love like the contextual lore as a, as a solo tool. I think it's like cool in games that are, you know, have stuff, uh, you know, like The Witcher, Skyrim or something to be able to find items and then, or books or find things that like, kind of like you pick up an object and it like you know it's like you're like hmm this object seems like it might be related to this thing and it's just kind of neat to like have those little moments but i think like in a game like dark souls or something where like that's the main way of picking up the lore of the or the world building that shit is not for me not crazy about like just picking up context clues of a world that like is now gone or like a or or like a you know because a lot of it's like for worlds that are gone Um, and I will say like fallout kind of has that vibe too, is like picking up worlds that are gone. But like you said, it's kind of like a lot of audio. I mean, you didn't say that, but it's, it does, like I was saying, it has a lot of like audio logs and things or like, you know, notes left behind. And I think, I don't know, it works for me there because I think the entire, I don't know what to say. It works for me in that game. Um, I just like that world building, I guess a lot. Um, but there is a lot of dialogue and stuff too, right? It's, it's ancillary. It's not the entire way of learning the story. So I don't know something about if it's just your alone uh, and picking up things on your by yourself doesn't crazy work for me. Also, I pretty much never look at a journal ever in a game. Or I'll look at it once and be like, oh my god, like too late. You know, when you look and you're like, oh, you're like, ah, oh, shit, it's like 10 hours into the game. And I have like 30 pages of like diary entries. Yeah. You know, like like I did that, that happened with Red Dead. Although I did go through Red Dead. I went through Arthur's journal and, and read up to where I was, even though I got it to it late. But that happens sometimes where like a character keeps a journal or a diary or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, fuck, I'm 40 pages in. I'm not going to read the entire diary <laughs> now. Like I maybe sometimes, um, but especially when it's like shit, like, oh, here's every character's biography. And as you like talk to them more, you like learn more stuff and you can like go back and look at the biography. And you might pick up little things about them. I'm yeah. like, I'm not going to fucking read that shit. Yeah. I'm not going to read any of that. You know, the Witcher, they're like, look up Al Ghouls and you'll know some chips on them. I'm maybe if I'm having trouble with the fight, I'll do that. But I'm not going to like actively ahead of time go out and look at the Al Ghoul like page. Yeah, I'll just look at to see what they're weak against. Like that's yeah, that, like maybe that. that's like what signs are effective yeah. against them. Like that's what I'll look for. And then I'm not reading like the biography. And again, I like only that. really do that if I tried the fight and I already got like smoked and then I'll be like, OK, maybe I got to look up. I got to look at the page (laughs) now. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not crazy about that stuff. I I think I'm just making myself sound like a a dope here, but I just like, yeah, not crazy, but like a ton of reading in games for me. I I really want to like, uh, have a more cinematic experience where people are talking to me. And for me, I I don't know, like 
I we talked about this before, but I like video games that have like a social element, not like with real people, but with NPCs. I just like mm, the idea of not yeah. feeling alone in a world. Sometimes, very rarely, that can like be a, a nice element to me. Um, but I still like there being people. Like I was gonna say, I like that in Sable. Um, you really felt you were kind of in this like really empty world that was like really about exploring and there was a lot of like mysticism to it but like you'd go to little outposts and towns and there'd be people there and they would talk to you and so i like that um i think being like wholly alone or feeling really desolate is tough for me it's one of the things i don't like about skyrim even though i will say skyrim does have a lot of like towns and cities and people to talk to i do feel like a lot of the joy that people get at it like what makes skyrim such a good game for a lot of people is not how good the dialogue and especially the dialogue is and it's more about like the adventure and the open space and the negative yeah. space and like i just that doesn't that that gets lonely and, and uninteresting to me so yeah i mean for me it's definitely like dialogue talking to people i'm more interested in like especially with lore too i'm like more interested in how it affects the people so like i'm more interested in like you know someone telling me about their experience since the war started and like how hard it is on their family and less like there was a great yeah. war and, the, and and millions of people died and the civilization has changed forever i'm like i don't care tell me how oh, it affects yeah. people like i don't care about like you know i don't want to hear about the armies you know stormed the gate i'm like i don't care <laughs> i think that's actually just a difference in like good storytelling versus bad storytelling which is you know, seeing how it's actually affecting people. Some people like that, though. Some people like versus just, like, like grand scale stuff like that. Yeah, no, that's true. But one is also just kind of an like, exposition dump, and one yeah. is actually seeing like how it's actually affecting people. Yeah. One thing that you mentioned made me think about how in some games it can feel like you're you're kind of just there as things are happening around you in the world. In other games, you're actually like the you're a participant or you're even the driving factor behind what's going on in the games. Whereas like I was saying, some games you're just, you're just there and everything's happening around you and it, it doesn't really matter what you do. That, that can also be, I don't know. I, I guess sometimes it can be okay to just enjoy the ride, but you're right. Like in, in choices matter games, it, it definitely feels like you are a participant. You are taking place in this world and you're not just, things aren't just happening to you at, at, at least when your choices matter and, and where, when they're actually impacting things in the game. And, and it, that is fairly rare. Like a lot yeah. of times it, there's an illusion of choice. So I don't, those are different ways of, of telling story as well, I guess. But yeah. And obviously you love the, the choices matter stuff. Big fan, big fan, even in games that it's not the entire outcome. I just think like, like we talked about, there's kind of, like I was going to say, there's a kind of way where you do this. Like I think Witcher does a really good job where you can have quests turn out a different way depending on the kind yeah. of way you decide to play it and totally extra scenes and things can play out. And then I think there's stuff like Skyrim. I think a lot of the time the quest is going to come. Most of the time the quest is going to kind of play out the same way. And like your only option is like maybe you could sound like a dick maybe for like a second, but you're still going to ultimately have the choice at the end to say yes or no to the quest. And that's about the only the only option is fake like conversation but doesn't actually change the outcome really yeah i think in skyrim the choice is how you actually tackle the quest yeah. objective yeah. not necessarily what the quest objective or outcome is but how you go about actually doing it yeah very much like a again like that kind of zelda thing where it's like how am i going to be creative about using the world to like do different things right. and and yeah. yeah so but yeah i i think again it's like the choices and dialogue is super interesting and like having stuff that actually like changes the outcome i don't have to belabor it but i love choices matter and i think that like being a participant is really sick very good but matt what's i got 
Hey, what do I got today? So I want to ask you, Paul, what makes you quit a game if it's getting too difficult? Or conversely, what makes you keep going and trying to overcome an obstacle in a game? And I ask this because I'm playing Death's Door right now. It's a bit of a bit of a Souls-like, not, not as much as Tunic, which is a game that you could easily compare it to. Tunic's much more of a Souls-like in terms of gameplay uh, specifically. But it still has, Death's Door still, still has some of those Souls-like elements. And, and Death's Door can be very challenging at times, but it's not punishing. It's never too punishing. And for me, that is what makes the world of difference between whether I'm continuing a difficult game or not. Is the game difficult? Yeah. But is it punishing me every time I can't get past something because of how difficult it is? If yes, then I quit. If no, then I'll keep I'll keep banging my head against it and, and giving it a shot. And that's why I'm still playing Death's Door and still enjoying Death's Door. Whereas something like Tunic, I loved that game and I love the visuals of that game. But at a certain point, I was like, eh, I don't know. It's it, it's punishing. And I also thought like some of the exploration in Tunic was a little cheap. The way you have to like play mm-hmm. around with the camera. I get that's kind of the point of it, but it felt much more cheap than the exploration in Death's Door. So I much prefer Death Story as a game, but I understand why people would like the Tunic stuff. But anyway, that's 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 getting away from the point. But Paul, what what is it about difficulty in games for you that either makes you quit or want to keep going? Well, first off, I just want to say I'm really glad you're enjoying Death Store. It's uh, it's a really neat game and it's kind of out of your normal wheelhouse. So I think it's like cool that you're enjoying that because yeah, it is a bit dip- more difficult and also just like I don't know, it's just a different type of game. So it's it's really cool. Uh, yeah, what makes me quit? What makes me rage quit at a game i I think it's uh i was thinking about this a lot and the objective first off matters a lot i think if it's a game where it's like um i remember playing fuck what's the game called the i am fish i remember playing i am fish a lot um when it came out on game pass (laughs) i remember you guys gave me laughed at me on the pod but i played like i don't know i probably played like 10 hours of it and then i like kind of never picked it up again but i i did have like a weekend where i played a lot of i am fish and there's a lot of like janky stuff where you're like throwing yourself around and trying to like, you know, there's like a flying fish. You got to shoot your wings out and, or your fins out or whatever. And you got to try to like land in little spots and stuff like that, where it's like land in this spot or it's stuff like try to jump to the top of this thing or like do this hacky way of like getting to something that stuff. I don't quit nearly as often that that often like spurs me along to keep doing something. Um, something like getting over it with Bennett Foddy or something. I played a decent amount of time on that one uh, just because like the idea of like that one's a little tougher because it is so purposefully <laughs> shitty, but so was I yeah. am fish and I am bread and that kind of thing. So, but yeah, that, that was really good. It depends on how it feels. If it feels cumbersome to the point where I'm like feeling stress, like I remember playing Octodad and I found that that wasn't fun. Like, even though that was a similar thing of like, try to, do this janky thing with your arms like that co-op style movement where everything's like so it it was like frustrating me and I was like holding my breath trying to do it and so that I was like I'm not having fun I'm not enjoying myself at all the basic concept of the game Uh, but something with like I am fish um, or something like that yeah I get like very obsessed with like the target like hitting the target or or whatever it is or like even like something silly like when I play wow this is insane but like you know trying to jump to like the top of a thing and there's games where that's kind of like an object and I get, I get into that, even though it's really difficult sometimes that like, I really want to get to that place. I really want to like get to that next 
checkpoint. And so for me, that's really neat. I, I definitely don't quit those as much. Um, what I do find I quit a lot is like, and it's not even because of like, it's not even because I'm losing, but it's just because of lack of interest is, but it is because I'm losing is like a really tough boss fight in a game uh, can be a make or break for me. And it's, it's often um, like, I, I will say like, I tried playing Wolong Fallen Dynasty and I got to the first boss <laughs> it, and I'll say like the game was pretty reasonable. Like I died a couple times, like fighting some minions, but I kind of like figured out what the, the vibe was and I got pretty decent at, you know, doing my, my little attacks and, and then I got to the first boss and they were just immediately insanely difficult, like compared to just like killing some grunts, you know what I mean? Like in the yeah. town and it was just so difficult and I just was getting like, I couldn't even believe how fast they were and everything else. And I was just like, um, and so I did that for like an hour in a bit. Like I just kept doing the boss fight over and over again. And I was like, I'm almost there. I think I'm getting close. And then honestly, I didn't quit because it was too hard. I just like, I ran out of time to play games. Like it was late. And so I went to bed and then I just never picked it up again because I was like, fuck that shit. Like I just, and so I think that happens a lot. I, I played a lot of Jedi. I was playing a lot of Jedi Fallen Order last year, I think, or the year before. And I got to like a pretty difficult boss later in the game or difficult for me anyway. And I did it over and over and over again. And I think like, even in that one, I like finally beat it, but then I stopped playing the game and it was because I spent like two hours fighting that boss. And I was like super fatigued from doing it. And it just like, I find I get boss fatigue. Like if I, like if I, if I beat it or if I don't, the idea of me spending two or three hours over and over again, trying to beat a boss or something just makes me kind of like lose interest in a game. Like it fucks up the pacing for me. Um, that happened for me a lot with like Spider-Man too. I mentioned this before where I got stuck on some, some boss battles. I got stuck on like the <laughs> battle and, and the dialogue kept going over and over. That was another thing too. Like the dialogue just kept, uh, there was like, uh, I mentioned this in uh chat that I don't know if I, I guess it's not coming out. I forgot, but like we did that Spider-Man two review with Mike, um, which uh, didn't, we didn't finish. But uh, we were, I was talking about it there, which is like the boss battle had like dialogue between characters and like this like therapeutic kind of conversation where they're like having breakthroughs and talking about stuff. And then you fail the boss fight and you have to do it again and hear the same dialogue again over and over again. And it's just like, and I feel like a lot of boss fights have that where it feels like the boss fight is monumental and has like story implications. And then you just have to do it for two or three hours or days or whatever. And that just like fucks games up for me. Like if I get stuck on a, it sucks. Like I hate to say it, but like if I get stuck on a boss like that, it's hard for me to come back to a game sometimes because I just feel like it just kind of messed up my whole pacing. And so I think that's a big reason I quit a lot of games is like getting, getting to a point where I get stuck. And it's not even like if it beats me or not, if I beat it, that's that I still don't come back sometimes. Yeah. And that's one thing I actually really appreciate with death store is that the gameplay doesn't really change in boss fights it doesn't become like another kind of game yeah it's kind of just like the bosses are using maybe a a unique combination of attacks that like the the overworld enemies are using or like souped up versions of them yeah but the gameplay doesn't change at all and and your move set in death store is very limited like it and it doesn't change throughout the game really like you start with your your sword and your bow and arrow or whatever. And the way that range attacks, whether it's the fire or the bomb or whatever, like they work the same way pretty much as the bow and arrow and all of the weapons work basically the same way. They just may have like, you can chain a different number of swings together or they have a a slightly different like melee range, but like the, 
but the actual like game from beginning to end and how you play it doesn't change. And the bosses are just more like, uh, they're just tougher versions of what you're already seeing all the time. It's not like a brand new mechanic that you're never going to see again. You never saw it before. You're never going to see it again. And that's what I really appreciate about it. There's a simplicity to death's door that I really like, which means for me, I like when the difficulty is more like, I just kind of need to like figure out the pattern here, or I just need to, it's, it's sort of like a, a testament to like stamina, like being able to, to, to just not make a mistake in the fight for long enough rather than trying to figure out something brand new that didn't matter before this fight and is not going to matter after the fight. That's when I get more frustrated. Yeah. And I'll say that's like one thing I like about rogue rogue lights and things like that. Whereas, you know, there is really that start all over again mechanic, which feels fresher. I think like there is something nice about getting to have a reset moment, um, which is something I feel like I don't get in like a lot of like, again, triple A games or something with a big boss fight. I'm stuck there and it's like, okay, if I want to pick up the game and just have a fun time now, I can, I got to finish, I got to go back to where I was and fight that stupid boss and like beat it. Um, Whereas, you know, if I'm playing Hades and I get to the end phase and I'm fighting Hades, if I die to him because I didn't, I made one mistake or whatever, I didn't have a good loadout or whatever, 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 whatever. I get to just go right back to the beginning and build myself up again and get to another point and have a fresh start. And like this time things are going to be different. I don't feel like I've, you know, sometimes I feel like in a boss fight, I feel like soft lock too. It's like, oh, maybe I'd made bad decisions or like I didn't get enough health potions before the fight. And now I'm kind of here and I just have to keep being in that same moment of failing that I failed in last time. Whereas I like in a roguelite, I get to start again and like have a whole new build out and just feel like that entire time I'm building to a better version of me. <laughs> that's actually going to be able to take the boss. Not just like I got better myself as a person. My character actually like was a different person who's going to be better this time. Yeah, I like yeah, that. No, that's cool too, and that gives you more choice over. And then you can be like, "Oh yeah, this was on. It's on me because I didn't have the proper yeah. setup to take." The or it's like you know, Monday I got stuck, and then Tuesday I log in on the game, and I'm like, "All right, like today's I'm gonna have a brand new run from the very beginning, and we're gonna be like better." And it's like every time you in a lot of games too, like the light, the rogue lights more than the likes. You know, you actually do get permanent upgrades and stuff the more you right. fail too. And so it's like, oh, you know, eventually I'll get there too, which is. And one thing that I want to reiterate, which I mentioned at the top, is that to me, the difference is whether or not the difficulty is based around whether it's punishing or not. Like in Death's Door, it is a difficult game, but you're never more than like a minute long run back from where you were before. Yep. And the other thing is, if you unlock a door or like open a gate or whatever the case may be, if you accomplish something in the overworld in Death's Door and you immediately die a second a second later, when you run back, that door's still open. You don't you don't have to do that again. Yeah. Like you did it, it's done, it's over. And now if you want to just run by those enemies, they'll they'll follow you, but you can run by them and maybe get to the next door and you can open that before they catch up or whatever. I like that. I was gonna say that's what a big thing I didn't like about Spider Man too, is like these boss fights would have like five or six phases like a ton of phases. It's crazy. And they'd all be filled with exposition and story. And if you died, you go back to phase one every single time. And it was like, Ooh, this is like, like it would just, I, you know, I lost hours. To the, like the game wasn't that long, yeah. but I spent like the entire weekend. Like I played it so much because like I got, I would spend like two or three hours, like on a single boss fight. Yeah. I mean that, and that's how the boss fights are in death store. But like the progress through the world doesn't reset. If you die, that's nice. 
you're you don't lose currency and that's that's what's very different from the the souls like you don't lose your currency you don't have to go find your currency back again in the world or whatever you don't lose it if you die in fact if you die i think you even get a little bit of currency <laughs> yeah i feel like whenever i die it's it's like a little plus two which is like nothing it's it's measly but you don't lose your currency so if you're like okay well i have enough points i can go get an upgrade see if that helps you don't have to go get it and then go get the upgrade. Like you, if you die and you're like, I need to go get the upgrade because I'm not strong enough, you can go do that. And so I really like that about it too. It's like, To me, it's like the perfect way of doing a non-punishing version of a Souls-like game. I, I, so I, I just, I really appreciate what Death Store is doing and I would like to see other games take that same formula. Paul, real quick, I, I, if you have a final point here, I wanted to mention, you were mentioning I Am Fish and I Am Bread earlier. Yeah. I was curious. I just looked up the I Am Bread trophy guide. I don't think I've ever seen a trophy that was listed as more difficult than the I Am Bread trophy. It's <laughs> 9 out of 10 on difficulty. It requires two playthroughs, and it's about a 40-hour platinum trophy. Wow. 9 out of 10 on the difficulty scale. I don't know if I've ever seen that. Wow. At least not in the games that I play. Yeah. I, I never, when I look up a trophy guide, I never see 9 out of 10. It's usually like... Two out of 10, three out of 10, <laughs> four out of 10. Like most games are like three out of 10. Nine out of 10 is insane. Yeah. I've, uh, yeah, I've, I would never try to get trophies in those, especially bread. Cause I mean, fish is more of a game. I feel like I am bread is, is a lot more of like a, 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 a what do I want to say here? Like a, it's like a physics challenge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it's, it, they're trying to fuck with you in that a bit yeah. more. Whereas I am fish does have like, you know, checkpoints and things. I am bread is like, get to the top of the fridge somehow. It's like, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> yeah. Any final points on that? No, I think that was uh that was a great, uh, great question. I mean, I definitely rage. I don't rage quit anymore, which is nice. I think I'm at yeah. an age where that doesn't happen. An age without rage. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, that definitely used to, I would, I used to rage quit in like competitive games. I would say is the only thing that's interesting. Yeah. Like uh FIFA, I used to rage quit in FIFA sometimes. For me, I think at the end of the day, the main thing is the whole punishing thing I mentioned, but whether or not I feel like the game is being fair or unfair, if I feel like I'm eventually going to get it, if I'm going to beat this boss, or if I feel like it's just beyond my skill level at a certain point, unless like you were saying with like Wolong or, or, or whatever, like, am mm. I going to have to dedicate the next week to trying to defeat this boss? Then I'm probably not going to keep playing the game. I don't know if any game is good enough in my mind to make me want to try a boss for like three days or a week or whatever. Yeah. Which is why you won't catch us playing dark souls. Cause I just like, yeah. I don't, that's not what, that's not fun for me. That's not what yeah, I'm it's do. not. And I, people play games for different reasons. Yep. Like there are some people who are like, I want the most challenging shit and I'm going to bang my head against this wall and try to get it. And I don't care how long it takes for me. It's like, no, I, I want to make, I want to see progress constantly, you know? Agreed. All right, well, let's move on to the water cooler. Let's take a quick break around the water cooler to discuss the games that we have been playing this week. All right, so, Paul, this is why I called the episode the Video Game Buffet because we have a lot of shit going on today <laughs> in the water cooler because it's been a couple weeks, and it's been a couple weeks when we both had time off as well, so we've just been playing a lot of, a lot of games. So instead of hearing me drone on for 10 minutes and then hearing you drone on for 10 minutes or whatever. Let's just alternate between games. And then if there's a game that we played together, we can talk about it together as well. So let's have you go first. Let's start yeah. off with something. And then if I play this, the game too, I'll chime in. 
Sure. Well, I'll start off with an easy one that I, I know you did kind of get involved with, which is Vampire Survivors. Yeah. I won't write home. It, it is kind of my every every time we, we have this segment, I talk about it. But uh, yeah, I, I played more Vampire Survivors. I've been playing it on Steam Deck now uh, instead of my laptop or whatever. And it's been a lot of fun to do that. I did make it my game of the year uh, in our game of the year yeah. award. And uh, yeah, I've been just having a total blast with it. And uh, yeah, it is fun on Steam Deck. I will say, like, I mean, there is something nice about playing it on uh, mobile just because you can do it like one handed, which is kind of nice. Not I don't mm. <laughs> what am I doing with the other hand? I don't know. But <laughs> it is kind of nice to just have that like freedom. I like the portrait mode aspect. That's, of that's it. what I mean. I like that yeah. portrait mode aspect. And so that's really nice. And you really do only need one, you know, one thumb to play the game. Uh, more or less, you really don't need it and no matter what way you play it. You know, I play it on PC. I, I can play it one handed. I play it on. I can play it on Steam Deck. I can play it one-handed. It's just hard to hold yeah, the Steam Deck up with the one. I mean, it's not that hard, but it's just like, you know, it's a little more cumbersome. There's, you know, it's like, just hold it. Why not use both hands? But uh, yeah, ultimately, I've been playing on Steam Deck. It's a great, like, aspect ratio for it. Like, that's my one negative about mobile is it's just a little too small. Um, yeah. The game isn't, the game to me isn't designed visually for mobile. And so everything is a little small. Like, when I'm, I've talked about before, like Survivorio or something, everything looks a little bigger and, and bubblier because it's meant to be on mobile. Um, I think Vampire Survivors with those blocky, you know, 16-bit graphics or whatever definitely aren't as easy to see when it gets really small. And so I do like the Steam Deck size, I think, is really good for that. I think playing it on my laptop or playing it on, like, a big TV or something is, is a little too big. So I think, like, that's kind of a good size. Laptop's okay. 15 inches, that's okay, too. But some, something medium-sized, I think, is good for Vampire Survivors. Um, but, yeah, having a lot of fun. Um, I'm playing it on... I was playing it on Game Pass before... And now because I have the oh. Steam, I'm playing on Steam Deck, I'm playing it on my Steam account. So now I have like an, I'm playing another, I have like a version on my phone. That's like, we talked about this before. I have it, I have it on different yeah. platforms and they don't all kind of go between my uh, save, my saves. So I am kind of like rediscovering stuff now on Steam and like going through and like kind of having a different way of going about and uh, kind of unlocking stuff. So yeah, I've been having a fun time with that. Uh, nothing wild, but you know, it's Vampire Survivors. It's the rocking game. Plus also uh, with the Steam Deck, I've been playing with like, an earphone in sometimes or something and i'm listening to the music more which i never did before mm. and it's kind of just like one song that's like slightly different in every <laughs> stage but it is so fuck i've been like no joke before this segment and like earlier in the show i was like playing it in my head like i was going like like i was doing like the electric like <laughs> i was doing like the polyphonic like electric guitars in my head like it's so catchy so i didn't realize vampire survivors is not on playstation weird i didn't know that either yeah which is weird I don't know if it'll eventually come after like Game Pass exclusivity is done or whatever. There might be some deal there. But I, so I bought it during the Steam winter sale. Not that you actually need to buy Vampire Survivors during a sale because yeah. it's like $5 usually, I think. So it was like $3 maybe. It's not like the kind of game that I'm ever going to fall in love with, but I do get it. I did enjoy it. I had fun playing it. Now, I was playing, I've played with both the mouse. And also with putting a, just plugging in a controller to the PC. What? These are, you play with the mouse? Yeah. So here's the thing. I play with, like when I play on PC, I play with like WASD or arrow keys. Yeah. Well, I play with the mouse because it the expands mouse. the number of axes, I guess, that you can probably move. It's it's like cool. if, you, if I were moving play around a Diablo or something. I get you, yeah. But the, the thing is, it creates a visual joystick on the screen when you click in and move around with it. So mm. I, I don't know if I didn't check the options. I don't know if there's a way to remove that. I think in the mobile version, 
there is. So there mm. must be in the PC version. I didn't like that though. Like wherever you click, and when I'm doing it, I want to click in the middle of the screen on my character because I want the direction that I'm to, to be, come from the middle of I the screen. I just feel like right? the issue here is you're picking the worst possible input method for. I think WASD is probably worse because there's. No, because the game only has those axes though. So no matter what, you know what I mean? I don't like, think it the does. character I, only moves side to side and up and down. I mean, it doesn't. You're right. You can move diagonal, but you can kind of do that with pressing W and A at this or W and D at the same time. You know what I mean? Like. Well, what I'm saying is like WASD, I think, has eight axes, and I think the mouse or a controller has 16. That's probably not that it really matters. I definitely like it more on controller or touch than I do. Like, I think I I agree with you. You can move in a smoother way than you can with keyboard and mouse. I agree. Um, But fuck mouse, though, man. It's like, (laughs) yeah, too much. It played fine for me. Honestly, what I would do is I would like jump between WASD and the mouse. Like if I, if I didn't have any enemies around me really, and I, I could be a little more relaxed about it, I would just use WASD. And then when I, things got crazy, I would use the mouse. Yeah. Doesn't make any sense, but it, it yeah, made sense I, in I my brain. It. So I don't know. I, I enjoyed it. I don't think I'm going to like play a ton of it, but I think, you know, just going back to it for one or two games like every week is probably how I'm going to, consuming this game and i think that's totally fine because it was three dollars yeah fair <laughs> yeah, so. i will say the game this is a great example of a game that gets better the more you play it i mean that's a lot of video games but this one like i started off yeah. being like this is fine this is okay like it's kind of tough and it's not that rewarding and it's like fine looking and then yeah. you start unlocking shit and like you and all of a sudden like you never lose a run but like you it's more about like what you unlock and and look what it's interesting it's interesting you know i did pay more than three dollars i probably paid like five or six because I bought the version that came with the two DLCs as well. Oh shit. That's awesome. I don't yeah. even think I have the DLCs. Oh shit. You're ahead of me. I, I did one of the DLC maps. It, you get more gold on those, yep. I think, but, but I also think it might be a little bit harder. I couldn't really tell. It was hard to tell the first couple of games. I like didn't get any gold and I was like, when am I going to yep. get permanent upgrades <laughs> and then it eventually started happening yeah even later you'll have like runs where you just like don't pick up gold sometimes like like not late late but like you know mid mid game or something you'll have runs where you just don't pick up gold unless you like actively are kind of searching for it and then you'll have a run where you'll pick up like eight thousand gold and you're like what it's weird yeah so i'll jump in with a game of mine now and i'll just start off with death store because mm-hmm. i really really love this game i'm pretty close to the end but it is getting difficult. It's getting to the point where I wonder if I'm going to be able to beat the last couple bosses. So in Death Store, you can upgrade your health. You can add two more little bars. You can also upgrade your magic. You can add two more little bars. I got all the health upgrades because I was having trouble with a a boss, which is Betty the Yeti, (laughs) which is one of the, it's like the last sub world boss. And then after that, I think there's like two basically end game bosses and that's about it i think so i'm I'm like basically there at the end but i just awesome. need to to get past this boss so i got the health upgrade so i have six little health bars instead of four now and i got five i have five of the magic bars instead of four and i need one more there's one guy that i need to defeat to get the last upgrade to to be able to get the last magic bit and it's it's one of the toughest mobs in the game on top of being like a souped up version of it, he's like he. So there are these big like knights that 
they're huge and they have a giant mace and they'll they the range of their attack is really wide mm-hmm. and they attack way too fast for how big they are. Yeah. And this is that version, but he also leaves poison clouds. So like Damn. Really difficult. And it's at the end of So you'll get to these sections in Death Store where you enter an area and then the the gate that you just went in closes and then all of a sudden there's like these purple doors that open up and waves of enemies come in and sometimes it's like three waves, sometimes it's four waves or whatever. This is one of those three waves. So he's at the end of waves too. So like I I could have already lost like a tick or two of health just getting to him. So he's very difficult. I want to get that magic upgrade and then I think it'll make the, the final few bosses much easier. But I don't know. The game's getting really challenging, but it is so good, dude. The music is so good. The art is so good. It's so responsive with the controls. Like I said, I love the simplicity of the combat. I'm never going to get the platinum because the platinum requires you beating the entire game with this umbrella that you pick up right away, (laughs) which is the worst weapon in the game purposefully. Incredible. And that's all you can use and it's never going to happen. But I really like it. And it, Coming from just two devs, like two guys developed this game. Really impressive. Really impressive. I, I watched the no clip documentary about the development, which I had cool. watched when it came out, but now I have way more context for the game. So I was able to enjoy it in a different way. And seeing how their first game, Titan Souls, which I think was a little bit more soulsy than Death Store. Yeah. They kind of reined it in a little bit. And it was sort of like a 2D pixel art game. But seeing the boss fights in that game, basically copy-pasted, translated to Death's Door was really interesting because they're like, well, we got the fight down. It, it works well, so we're just going to use the same exact fight yeah, mechanics. That makes sense. Which is total, totally fine. Yeah, they're like, not not everyone played this game. Like, whatever, we'll, yeah. You don't need to reinvent the wheel, right? Yeah. Especially when you're a two-man dev team, you do not need to reinvent the wheel. You yep. just need to make a solid product. And that's what they did with Death's Door. And it, it will forever be compared to Tunic because they came out around the same time and they're very similar games in a lot of ways. I li- really liked Tunic. I think I like Death's Door better because I think it's just it's a more accessible game, which is weird to say because the accessibility options in Death's Door are very limited and you cannot change difficulty in any way, shape, or form. But with Tunic, you can make it the easiest game in the world. But the accessibility of Death's Door, like from just the base version of the game, being able to jump in and play it, much easier than Tunic. Tunic is very punishing. Yeah. And I don't know. I just really like it. I recommend Death's Door to anyone who's even thinking about playing it. I think, I don't know, it was on Game Pass at some point. I don't know if it still is, but it's on PS Plus too now. So I didn't even, I didn't buy it. It was just free for my, through my subscription. So yeah. Yeah. Go play it. If you if, if that's something that you're interested in at all, go play it. Hell yeah. I love that. I'm, I almost got back into it. I almost got it on steam cause I played it on game pass a bit before, uh, on PC and on my, I tried playing on my TV. I actually thought it worked really well on my laptop screen. I thought that was a good like size for it. But you, you freaked me out. And I, and I, and I, I looked at it again on the internet too. And that kind of confirmed it for me. I just think with the steam deck, which is where I wanted to play it, this your the size of the little character might just be a little too small on an already small screen, and I was worried it might bug me out a little bit. Yeah, I forgot to mention that because I have since gotten over it. But okay. playing Death Store at first for the first like maybe four or five hours of, of playing the game, the crow character is very small, much smaller than in your typical 
typical character in like an isometric view sort of game. And so it was giving me a headache because I felt like I was straining my eyes. I also need to go to the eye doctor. So I think that's part of it. (laughs) I need to get a new (laughs) glasses and contact prescription, but he's much smaller than your typical character. And so it was straining my eyes. I have since gotten used to it. So I, I do not get a headache playing anymore. My eyes have adjusted, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it's so fun, dude. It's so yeah, fun. Maybe next team sell. Maybe I will. I got a, I got a backlog going here, but I, I, I'm I excited. Uh, nice. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Uh, what else have I got here? Uh, well, I could go into... Do you want, should we talk about Lego Fortnite or experience there? Yeah, let's do Lego Fortnite. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I have already talked, I think, previously on the show about messing with Lego Fortnite a bit when that came out earlier in December. And yeah, it's a fun game. It's uh, doing a lot of similar stuff to a lot of different survival games but i think it's fair to say just from our last experience like it's doing all of it kind of a little worse or like doing not quite or just not quite going as far as most of those games but borrowing from a lot of those elements um but the things it does incredibly well um you know graphics and and the and the setting and the atmosphere is really great so um, yeah, finally got a chance to play with friends. Matt, um, you and I played with our friend Spencer, and it was your first time playing Lego Fortnite. Well, I mean, you you yeah. you messed with it. I mean, you like logged in and like kind of ran around, I think, when it first came out. But like, yeah, I mean, how was your experience playing it for the first time? I mean, it's it's definitely good. It's extremely polished. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting mix of of things. Like we talked about on a few episodes ago. It's like it's got Animal Crossing, it's got Breath of the Wild, it's got Valheim. Like it is a mix, it's got Minecraft, obviously. It is a mix of a bunch of different games. It's kind of taking things that people liked about those games and putting them together. But Paul, give the specific example that you're thinking of why you think it doesn't go quite all the way being as Minecraft as it probably could. Because I know you you have this specific example that we had with the chicken. Yeah, the chickens. So, I mean, that's a big one. So, I mean, I... You know, I think for me and for Matt and I, especially who don't play as many survival games like on our own or, or have, don't play even like with, we play with friends occasionally, um, we're not going to notice some of these things. But I think playing with our friend Spencer, that was like a big eye opener to some of the things that were missing in this game when when looking at it. And so they did this interesting and again. It's like they added stuff that led you to believe that the game was a bit deeper than it was, but then then didn't follow through. And so I think like one of those examples was, you know, in Minecraft, you can farm quite robustly and so we had an experience we had these chickens around like animal husbandry and yeah animal like husbandry you know and things like that so so we had these chickens around and spencer thought well i'll try i have some wheat i'm gonna drop or seeds i'm gonna drop the seeds or i'm gonna drop the wheat or whatever for the chickens and see if they come over and he did and then the chickens came over they wanted it so we thought okay we can we can kind of tame the chickens we can or we can you know attract them so obviously there's like probably some farming element to that right like why else would they like the seed you know why would they put that in the game besides just like cuteness i guess which maybe maybe is the reason and so we we did that we fenced them in and you know you could keep them there which was nice and you could pet them and they would drop eggs and they would drop eggs for you know different things but then one of the big factors was like you know you also want feathers from them i'm you know i'm not much of (laughs) i'm not a video game animal killer very much but you can drop feathers from them by killing them and so spencer wanted to you know have them breed because they do that in minecraft and some other survival games but they wouldn't breed so you know it's like oh we can you can collect them with wheat and kind of bring them to the little area. You can fence them in. They'll drop eggs. But like ultimately to get, you can't, but ultimately they don't really breed and have more chickens. So it's like, it's sort of there on the surface, but we're missing like kind of a, a, a deeper aspect that would make it a full system of, of farming. And same with like, um, we also grew some crops 
I think this is after you went to bed, Matt, but we, we grew some crops in a little patch and uh, we had corn, we had pumpkin, we had some other stuff. And then uh, we thought, okay, so we'll, we'll harvest the crops and then we can, then they'll, you know, kind of regrow again. Right. Uh, no, once we harvested the crops, they were gone and we had to plant brand new seeds to yeah. be able to plant a crop. So again, it's like, you couldn't really have like a self-sustaining farm. You could really only grow like one thing at a time um, or, you know, get one thing, you know, kind of, you could capture a chicken and get some eggs, but you couldn't like actively raise chickens. And so I know it sounds silly, but it is stuff that's like, well, if you're going to add in the thing where, you know, you can kind of collect the chickens and, and, and get them excited by dropping seeds. It's like, well, is that, are we going to have the full thing or, oh, there's seeds for plants. You can have a garden, you can, you know, uh, till the land, but then the garden doesn't really propagate. So it's like, right. What is, yeah. what is the, it, it's, it, there's a lot of like little stuff like that in the game that we noticed that's like, it's there on the surface, but if you get much deeper, and it, they just came out with it to be fair. Yeah. But I will say there is this kind of thing where it's like, hey, you came up with this game. What are you doing that's better than the games that are already out? Why would I play this one instead? And I think the answer is obviously Lego and it's already in Fortnite. Those are the answers. Uh, More so than it's better than all the other survival games that came before it. Because I think that a lot of us, I think all three of us kind of came away being like, that was really fun. I enjoyed playing Lego Fortnite and it was cute, but it, it just got, it gave us all kind of an itch to play like a slightly deeper survival game, I think. And so, yeah. yeah, that was interesting. I was looking it up because I wanted to make sure that we weren't just missing something. And IGN's guide shows that the animals that you can like capture and tame and like lure or whatever yep. are chickens, cows, and sheep. And they were saying like, if you try to throw meat at a wolf, they'll just want to attack you more. So you can't actually like <laughs> tame them or anything. And there is no, like they don't, they won't breed or anything. Like you can, they're saying like you can build a pen for them, but they they just kind of exist in there, I guess. Yeah, they just kind of chill. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, but you're exactly right. Like, playing this just made me want a deeper, maybe grittier, more developed survival game like Valheim or Conan Exiles. And, w- yeah. of course, when I say grittier, like, literally any game that I name is going to be <laughs> grittier than Lego or Fortnite. <laughs> I definitely like the cutesy aspect a lot. Like, I'm, I, I did enjoy that part. Oh, yeah. The yeah. graphical style was really adorable. And I actually, if the game had been, if the game were deeper, I would play it i would continue playing despite the graphics or because of the but yeah i was never a lego kid so yeah fair something a little off-putting about everything being lego to me like i get that's the game like that's what it is that's the charm if you get the graphics like if you like angle your camera right you can see every little tiny stud on every block has the lego writing and it like reacts to the lighting and it's it's wild the attention to detail Exactly. So like I get like this it's a le- like it is a Lego game. That's the whole point. But it kind of just makes me want to play a survival game where things are it's a little bit more I don't want to say even say grounded in realism. It's just not Lego. Is yeah. that, I guess what I'm trying yeah, to say. The Lego thing isn't for you and it's like that's the like I said one of the two huge draws of this yeah. specific game. Like I don't necessarily want like my house to visibly very <laughs> clearly be a Lego house. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's it's a well-made game for sure. And it's like you said, it just came out. So they're going to obviously add to this thing over the next, I don't know, fucking 20 years probably. And I'll <laughs> like, tell you, like I, I know Minecraft is still really popular, but just from like the Gen Z or Gen Alpha, dude, fucking Gen Alpha kids that like my like my 10-year-old <laughs> nephew, yeah. he he thinks Minecraft is uncool. 
Like he like I might Oh really? Like he's like Fortnite, you know, shit like that. He doesn't care about mine like Minecraft is not maybe Roblox, but he's even a little he even thinks Roblox is kinda like lame because it's too old. Like and oh, so wow. Uh, you know, so I think that like, you know, the Minecraft generation isn't necessarily like a thing anymore. And so I think that like, I mean, it, it probably is. I'm just saying from my limited anecdotal experience, but so I think there is like a, a cohort of kids who are young right now who haven't played Minecraft, who have Fortnite installed and love, love, love Fortnite are fully obsessed. And like, if this is just in their Fortnite launcher now, they won't know the difference that this is like not quite as deep or interesting as Minecraft. They're not like looking for the depth of, you know, they're just looking for like a fun yeah cool cutesy game they probably still play lego and so it's like shiny yeah. and nice looking and like it's perfect it's a really good kids first survival game i think um, although sure. i will say like the survival aspects are actually like to start off more difficult than something like minecraft like the yeah. cold and heat aspects the hunger the the enemies like I, we got pretty good at it, I think, by the end of it, just because we were working together. But playing alone for the first time, I was like a little shocked at how owned I got pretty quick. But, you know, kids are good at games. They'll figure it out. I'm trying to think if there's like a major survival game that we haven't played yet. Because I feel like there's got to be like maybe there's something out there that I haven't Daisy? done yet. Eh, I guess maybe. But I don't know. I, I'm really kind of in like this mode where I do want to play a solid Same. survival game with you guys and just like... Same build cool shit, have a little farm, have a little community. Like, I don't know. Something about that sounds really fun. I would love that. One side note that I do want to make, it's it's not Lego Fortnite, but it's 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 adjacent. I did try Fortnite Creative for the first mm-hmm. time. Like, not playing it, but building my own stuff. And there is a bit of a learning curve to it, but I'm taking things slowly. I need to figure out what I want to make first before I continue because I, I need to have some sort of goal to work toward like this is what I'm trying to do otherwise there it's just way too wide open you can do anything so I need to figure out what I want to do I kind of just want to make like a neat little map to hang out in but there needs to be goals there there needs to be stuff to accomplish too so I, I got to figure that out but I did try Fortnite creative both in the actual game and then I did try the unreal editor for Fortnite as well so the unreal editor you can do way more in obviously it even has its own language. I think it's called verse. So there's more that you can do with the unreal editor within Fortnite though. The tools for creative are actually pretty robust. Like there's a lot of shit that you can do. So I don't know. It's, it's cool. And, and it's, it's something that you can collaborate with friends too, whether it isn't Fortnite creative in game or you can also collaborate live with the unreal editor. So kind of cool uh so we'll see if if i if there are any more developments on that going forward but i did want to just mention that yeah and i'll just like quickly jump in the same thing and say i've been playing some regular fortnite um br this week too i just jumped back in after not playing for a while just because i was you know getting into steam stuff and i can't play fortnite on the on the old deck uh so yeah i was just playing a little bit of that on xbox and uh, it's fun i forgot how much uh, just like a great i love just popping into that game and it's, it's like like for you with like Call of Duty, like you're always saying, it's just like, you know, you're bored, you'll pop on or something. That's like for me with Fortnite. And so, yeah, it was great. I was doing pretty well, actually, kicking some ass and uh, just just having a great time. And I, I really do still like this new map a lot. Um, I love the train and I love just kind of hanging about. And yeah. uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. Honestly, just having like regular guns and just kind of shooting and just kind of chilling. Like I wasn't like going for anything too wild or like going to like the main bosses and trying to beat them. I was just kind of living my life, riding the train, getting off where I felt like, and uh, it was a good time. So 
that was fun. I'm definitely, uh, I definitely would love to, to get some more time in there with, uh, with you guys too, a little bit and, and play some more Fortnite at some point. Yeah, no, the, the train is a really cool aspect of the new season. Just cozy to like have a train that you can just kind of, you just sit on it and kind of like go through the map a little bit. And yeah. it's like, that's kind of fun. Like at some point someone might, you get to like a station and you see someone like fucking trying to get on the train. You're like, oh shit, yeah. here it goes. That's cool. So I'll do a quick back to back of two MMOs here. So new world, I got to the new cap from the expansion, the 65. I did a bunch of the Christmas events. I decorated my house all nice. It looked really good for Christmas. I finished up the main story quest for the base game, which I had been at the end for the longest time. And I just had, hadn't done like the, uh, the Tempest dungeon. So finished that. Got far into the Brimstone questline, started a bit of the new main questline for the expansion. All good stuff. New World, I, I like New World. It's fun. Enjoying that. Also played more WoW Classic Season of Discovery. I got to 25. I think I may have... I don't know. Did I mention that? I don't know. Anyway, I got to 25. I haven't done much since. I do want to run some dungeons. I want to get into the raid, which I'm pretty sure is very puggable at this point. You can just get find a group. Yeah, pick up group. And I, I want to participate in some of the PvP before we go to the next level ban. Some of that Ashenvale world PvP with all the objectives. There's also like PvE aspects to it too, too, because it's it's kind of like Alterac Valley where you're I think you fight bosses in it yeah. and stuff too. So wanna participate more in that. Wanna get to a friendly reputation with Silverwing so I can get the Ashenvale mount because I have more than enough gold for it now. It's it's ten gold and I have like twenty just from because level 25 is the max, Paul, when you complete quests at 25, yeah. it it, cha- it turns the experience that you would get into extra money to yeah. gold. So I have like 20-something gold at this point on top of just selling stuff. I'm glad that you're so rich and can get them out. That's really sick. Um, I was going to say, I saw people compl- like not complaining, but being like, hey, like I'm sure Blizzard's thought of this, so I'm not worried about it. But I did see people go like, Hey, like since a lot of us have just been grinding out all the level appropriate quests and even like slightly ahead of our level quests to like get gold, what happens when the level cap raises and we need to get to 30 <laughs> and we've done every fucking quest like available to us to get gold? Yeah. Um, and people, or we have to dungeon grind for like five levels to get Probably. up to where and people are like, I, maybe, but like, I think it sounds like maybe that's going to be like, they know people are doing that. That's going to be prepared for. They're very one to one with how the, maybe, but you might have to, if you've been doing that. I feel like you're also making a decision. Like, do I want money now yeah. in the level 25 max band? Or do I want to save these quests and get the experience when, when the time comes? Imagine yeah. kind of like soft know. locking your character slightly where you're like, not like, you know what I mean? Where you like do all the quests and Blizzard's like, we don't care. Like it's that yeah. was your choice. And now you like have to just kill boars to get to 30. Yeah, no, I actually, it's kind of funny. I think that's probably what's going to happen to be honest. I, I do think that there's an interesting opportunity cost there. I, I have also seen some people have, who have a full quest log of completed quests. Yeah. I saw people turn in. getting their quests ready. Yeah. So I don't know if they're different uh, ways of going about, it. but yeah, no, I'm still enjoying it. I do really want you and Spencer to, to get to 25 with me so we can do <sighs> some too. stuff together. Me too. What are you at? Um, 19. You're so close. 18, 19. Yeah. I can help you. I got nothing yeah. else. I'm 25. I got nothing else going on. That's fair. Oh, remember when we were 25 and we had nothing going on? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, that's my, that's my MMO wrap up for the week. But uh, yeah, new world, still enjoying it. Wow. Season of discovery. Still enjoying it. Still so much that I have to do with the, uh, the 25 max. Nice. That, that reminds me. I really want to, I want to try to get wow on the deck going. 
Oh yeah. I want to try that. Not even because I think I'll, it'll, I'll stick with it. Cause I think it might be a weird thing to get used to, but mainly just cause I, I now I just want the tinker ability. I just want to be like, yeah. well, that is neat. I did it. <laughs> it has the add on for basically a controller, right? It so, does. So there's an add on for a controller port or something. Yeah. Console port, but you can also, there's also a, uh, a thing where you can enable game controller settings. Like in wow, you can run like a thing. You know, you do like slash controller input or something. And then you can actually like map keys. And I saw some people saying that they prefer doing that to like the the way that the console port thing does it. So I don't know. I'll look into it. I still have to like do the annoying thing of like figuring out how to like run the Battle.net launcher as a non-Steam game and like make everything work to make it work on the the launcher. But uh, that being said... Uh, yeah, I think it'd be really neat. I, this, people talked about really cool stuff about like mod, like I could use the back buttons as modifiers, and then like use, and then I could use the face buttons to like cast stuff. Yeah, I mean it works for Final Fantasy fourteen, so yeah. it it should work for WoW. Yeah, so I think that seems really neat. Um, also, I mean it's it's classic, and I mean even in Sod, I just think like in general, it's not you don't have like these insane rotations. Like it's right, not yeah. it's not a big deal. I think certain classes would be better than others, though. To be fair, so. I also want to like make sure targeting is good. Like I want to make sure I have a good uh, targeting system because I think there's like a, right. a tab targeting or you can like have a system where it like targets what's in front of you or something. But anyway, I'll figure it out uh, and it'll be neat. But I saw some people like talking about how they were doing like all these like uh, raids, like doing like top parse raids and stuff in, in retail and people who are doing like, you know, BFD. Oh, wow. SOD, like, you know, season of discovery stuff like healing is like on their steam deck and all these people being like, and then, you know, just oh, being, healing. Yeah. Jeez. Healing, which is wild because you can't like, they're like, I just like touch the portraits on my screen to like, that's like the easiest way to like do it. And oh, then Jesus. someone's like, and then you're like, obviously you can like target people too. But yeah, people are like, that's like, sometimes I have to like touch someone to quickly. Like, yeah, it's, it, it's super interesting to, to see what some of the people do, but uh, I definitely don't know if I'd be doing intense content, but definitely just for like chilling on the couch and running around and like grinding a quest. It could be kind of neat. Oh, yeah. So I'm, uh, I'm, I might goof around with that soon. But yeah, um, let's talk about another Paul game. Uh, what have I been playing? I mean, let's uh, let's get into Disco Elysium. Why not? That's the game that I had the most fun playing this week for sure. And I only really played it uh, like yesterday, maybe Friday, I think a little bit. But yeah, I am super fun. I definitely I talked about on the show at some point, like playing it before. I played it on Xbox a bit, I think earlier this year. I only got a few hours in when I did that and I'm about the same spot now. But I did find that, I don't know, it just felt like it's one of those games where it just felt like playing it on TV. It just really felt like it was kind of a waste of the TV. Like it was taking up a lot of like screen space for something that's just text and voiceover and didn't really feel like it, it just felt like weird console game, uh, considering like how less yeah. gamey it is and more like, like, or less, you know what I mean? Like less 3d action kind of game. And right. so, yeah. um, I also didn't really want to like sit and get like invested in my laptop. So it's actually like a great steam deck game for me. I pumped the, uh, dial. I, t- I pumped the text size up a little bit because it was a little tiny, but it's pretty good now. And uh, yeah, the narration's really amazing. I just pop a headphone in uh, one of my little wireless earbuds. I got my Steam Deck. I'm just kind of like listening to to the narration go through and having conversations with folks and kind of unraveling mysteries. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I, I I do find that like I think this is a game that works. I think still would work a little bit better with a mouse, just because. There is a lot of like we said, like point and click kind of action around uh, the environments you're in, and it is a little bit. It feels really good and snappy and natural to use the control stick, but 
I do prefer, I think I'd prefer a mouse just for like ultimate being able to like mouse over and see when things pop up. But right. I can just like kind of like wave my stick around and it'll like light up the stuff that's let up. I think I can even hold left bumper and it'll like show me all the things that are interactable in the area. So it's, oh. it's fine. Like it's not, there's no problem, but I do like, uh, I think it would probably work with mouse, but, and I, I don't think maybe I could figure this out, but I can't get like the cursor to work with the steam. Like it's not the base use of the touchpads for the, for it to like activate the cursor or something, which might be kind of cool. I actually wouldn't mind using the touchpad a bit sometimes, but yeah, anyway, uh, having lots of fun. The storyline's awesome. Getting pretty deep into it. There's only sometimes there's moments where I feel like I'm missing stuff if I don't like go and do every little thing, but I'm trying not to like push myself too much. Like I'm trying to just enjoy the story and like go at my own pace. And so if like sometimes the pace is like, I want to go a bit quicker and get to the next like cool bit. And I'm, I might miss a couple extra dialogue options by not like exploring every piece of the map. I'm like, that's okay. That's what a person would do. <laughs> that's like what my character might do. Not like me who like feels like I'm going to miss out if I like don't do every dialogue option in the area. And so trying to do that. And uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. The, the voice acting is quite great. Yeah, it's pretty good. The world building is weird as fuck. And I'm, I, this is one of those ones where it's like a little much for me, but I'm, I'm just kind of skipping what I don't feel like I need to know. Like it's, it's a lot of like um, countries and places that are like analogous to real world places, sort of, but not. And like races of people who are like slightly the same, but not. And, you know, so like you deal with like this racist guy at one point, he's telling you about all the different, like this, which is obviously like so fucked up. He's like talking about all the, his like fucked up race theory of like, who's the superior races and shit. <laughs> and it's like, and that's like for actually like one of the ways I most understood, like started hearing about like what the different like places were and stuff a little bit, but I'm also like, how much can I trust this guy? And so <laughs> obviously, and so anyway, it's super interesting. It's nice to like hear that stuff contextually. And it makes sense too, that my care, I like that my character doesn't know anything like you, yeah. you wake up and you're like, I don't even know what a human is barely. And I don't right. know who I am. And like, I don't know what I, I just came out of the blackness. <laughs> and yeah. so it's kind of nice. Cause I can in the game kind of, it's okay if I play dumb and I'm like, I don't really know what the hell you're talking about. And so, yeah, that's, that's nice too. So yeah, it's, it's been a blast. I'm, I'm pretty early on, so I can't like talk about it too much, but I'm definitely enjoying just having a game where it's all talking to people and talking to myself. It's there's so much dialogue. You even talk to yourself and <laughs> different yeah, parts yeah. of your body. And I'm just like, this is my shit. Choices matter. Dialogue. Talk to yourself. There's skill checks everywhere. Like this is like a hundred percent my thing, but it's not like full text, which I actually kind of like. There is that like little bit of moving around that makes it feel a little like adventure too. And so I don't know why it's taking me so long, but I'll tell you like the deck is definitely making it a nice, uh, a nice game for me to play now. It's like a chill hangback game. I think when I played it, I was too overwhelmed by just so much that you can yeah. choose to do. Like you can, you can accomplish things how you want to accomplish them. You can, I mean, it's it's just way too open ended for, it for me. I think, which is for a lot of people, that's exactly what they want. And for me, it's like I I want a little bit more direction. I want it to be a little bit more curated and linear. And and that's you know, it is what it is. But I do want to give it another shot at some point because I only played it for a, for like an hour or two. Yeah, and it was extremely well made yep. from from what I played. Like, and and you're right, the voice acting was was really good. The writing was really good. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll get back to it at some point. Yeah. It's one of those things, like like I just said, I think it, I think it helps to, it's helping me anyway, to just like not get overwhelmed by how much there is and just do what I, what's in front of me and just do what, like, just, it's okay. I'm like, oh, I have to move on to the next day or something. I haven't had that experience yet, but I'm like, 
it's okay if I haven't done everything. I just got to like take a breath because yeah. <laughs> sometimes I get like, oh, I should got to do everything that's out there. There's so many cool options. So yeah. And that's the hard part for me is when it's, when there's so much to do, I feel like I'm going to miss something. Yeah. And, and then, then you're going to get to the next like, day and they're going to be like, wow, if you talk to that guy, you could have like yeah. done this thing. And I'm like, it's okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't yep. have talked to that guy if I was really there. I might've missed some people. Yeah. It's tough. So let's go from Disco Elysium to a very different game. Talk a little bit about Call of Duty. Hell yeah. I'll be very quick on this. Played more Modern Warfare 3, obviously. The Christmas event was fine. It was okay. They they only did two Christmas-based maps. They did they turned High Rise into Hangover, which was really cool. It was really cool seeing all the, the different Christmas decor and the snow and all that kind of stuff. And they turned Shipment to Shipmiss, which... <laughs> I didn't really play that one because it was just a fucking cluster. It was absolutely insane as shipment always is. And it's one of those, it was the, you know, the kind of playlist where like it's going to rotate through deathmatch, through domination, through hard point, all that kind of stuff. And there are, there are certain game types I just do not enjoy on a map like shipment. So I didn't really play that one. You know, there are some game modes in general that I don't love. And so that was kind of the downside of playing, you know, you play the hangover 24 seven playlist, but you're going to be playing random game types. So, you know, it's not, I can't choose whether I'm only playing team deathmatch in that during that playlist or whatever. So that's sort of the downside, but it is what it is. It was nice seeing the Christmas stuff on the maps. I enjoy that in my FPS games. I wish they had done a few more maps or like, I think back in the day they had a Christmas specific map, which was kind of cool. That is cool. I think it was called like uh, it was crash something. Crashmore? I don't <laughs> not not Crashmore. I don't remember <laughs> what it was called, but it was I don't know. I, I I wish they had done that, but I understand that's a lot of work. Yeah. And then when I was on vacation, Paul Desperate Times, they call for <laughs> desperate measures. I played a couple games of COD Mobile. Oh wow. <laughs> it's not good. No. It's not good. So the first match that I went into, I don't think it was bots. I think it was real people, and I got first place. <laughs> but like it's so weird because you automatically shoot. So like if you yep. if you mouse over someone, it just automatically shoots. I think Fortnite actually did that too. They did it, it on, on mobile too on, on iOS. It was on yeah. mobile. It's you can turn that off, but I don't know why you would. <laughs> you know, like if I, if it's gonna automatically shoot the second I mouse over someone, why would I not want that? Yeah. So I don't know. It was very strange. The movement is feels everything. Any sort of like action game just feels so weird on mobile and your fingers and thumbs and whatever take up too much space. Not good. I'm, I'll never play it again. I was just like, I'm just going to give it a shot because I have downtime on this vacation and yeah. nothing's going on, so I'm going to give it a shot. It's not good. But if that's the only way you can play COD, I guess whatever. It just feels like it. a different game, though. Like I'd rather yeah. just play something that wasn't even trying to be COD and was just like True, a different shooter yeah. on mobile because it just doesn't... It feels like such a different game in the way that you play right. it and the way you get like sweaty about it. like it's a totally different skill set even to like be good at that. Yeah. The point of COD is that it feels so good to play. Like the feedback is so amazing. You don't get that in COD Mobile. Yeah. You know, it's it, you're right. It is a different game. It's just it's a Call of Duty skin on top of a mobile shooter, but like the point of Call of Duty is that it feels so good on console. And it PC. feels like Call of Duty every time. <laughs> yeah. It feels the exact same. And like this game doesn't feel like that. Yeah. So that's that was my uh, my COD adventures over the, the winter break. I love that. Did you eat any COD? No. I, uh, 
I had some sort of fish at some point. It might have been salmon. I don't remember a what it was, but it was not cod. Not an Atlantic cod. <laughs> North, North Atlantic cod. Oh, man. I cod you out there. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what I'm doing with that. Uh, yeah, a I'm couple more games here. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, you can see that on camera. Um, not a lot. Uh, I'm going to go through a few more of these games here quicker. Uh, I did play some Mass Effect Legendary Edition for like 30 minutes, <laughs> just <laughs> enough to test it on the deck and it, it runs great. And I'm really excited to hopefully get into that at some point right now. Like I said, I'm pretty into Disco Elysium, but I know that like I might play Mass Effect in a similar ish way um, in the sense of like I might turn the like difficulty down a little bit and kind of just focus more on like the dialogue and, and just kind yeah. of like enjoy it as like a, an RPG a bit more than like the, the action aspect just cause I don't know. I just feels a little bit dated and I'm not like that interested in playing the mechanics. Um, maybe in the later games I might jump it up, but for one, I think I might just like kind of rush through and, and like in the, the action stuff and do the, the dialogue stuff. So um, I'm excited to do that. Uh, it runs great, like I said, and uh, it looks great. Legendary Edition uh, on the deck, so I'm pretty excited on that. Um, it's kind of that sweet spot where like more graphic power, more power, more more processing power wouldn't really make it look much better. Like it looks great on 1200 by 800. Yeah. And it's like, that's perfect. Kind of like hides some of the imperfections maybe. And uh, also played uh, Stardew Valley for like an hour. <laughs> Still, again, not quite there. But I did, uh, I did buy that, and uh, on Steam finally, I bought it. I've bought it a bunch of places, and I've never, it never hooked for me. I bought it on Steam. I'm hoping this time it will, just because I think that like the Steam Deck is like, or again, Switch or, or something that has that, that that handheld thing. I think it's just the best way to play a game like this. I found on uh, mobile with touch, it was just a little too like in my way, like the touch controls. Yeah, I'm um, like having to touch the screen and things like that. Just didn't do it for me. I think on like console, it was just too, again, it felt silly playing that on a big screen and on PC. I just, I don't know. I just, I didn't want to have to invest, but I think maybe on the deck it might work. So this yeah. is, this, this is the time. Hopefully it takes, we shall see, but yeah, but also as a backup, uh, well, well, sorry, one sec. I'm almost there. <laughs> I was going to say, well, as a, yeah, I'll say as a backup, I did also buy Coral Island. Oh, because I that was on Game Pass, and I did play the early access on Game Pass a little bit of that, and it's come out 1.0 version now. I think last month or something. Oh, nice. And uh, it's on Game Pass, but I just like it just felt like a really good Steam Deck game. Like I said, again, same kind of thing of just like you know having a little farm, talking to people in the town, falling in love, raising a family. <laughs> Um, and the graphics just look a little bit more just for me. I know some people love the look of like Stardew Valley and that kind of harvest moon kind of thing. And I just like that graphical style doesn't appeal to me. And so like for me, I know a lot of people are like Coral Island's just like a rip off Stardew with like different graphics, but like those different graphics for me are like the thing that make it like more playable potentially. So mm. I got, I'm going to try to play Stardew, but I also have Coral Island on deck I saw you can have like have babies and stuff and like really have like a full family experience, which I think is really fun. I just love, uh, I've been kind of in this like romance dating thing recently. So that's really cool. So yeah, I'm, I'm psyched to hopefully get into that too. I think that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah. The screenshot here that I'm looking on the steam page, it does have yeah, it has like, the, the baby welcoming the new baby. Yeah. Yeah. And then it also has like a, there's like a hot uh, mermaid dog. There's a dog bed next to the baby. So you can have pets too. It looks like, yeah. And then there's like this giant, <laughs> and then like stardew it has like the 
the mines with there's this giant ogre. Yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot going it's, on. It's super interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm really curious. And I think that like, uh, yeah, I think the graphics will be interesting on that. Like it'll help a lot to, to maybe pull me in a bit more. So yeah, I'm into that. And uh, last game, I'm just going to kind of run through here. Last game I played was ooh, actually that's a lie. I'm so sorry, but like, okay, I'm just going through now. I played video verse. I mentioned this on the podcast last week when we talked about games of the year, I'm having such a good time with that. I won't belabor it, but essentially, yeah, you're just playing on like a weird dreamcast slash laptop thing in like 2003 and you're on a forum all the time talking about your favorite MMO and you meet this, like you have friends on there that are like your online friends and you meet this girl and you're like drawing art fan art for, for your favorite games and like talking to people and encouraging people on the forums. And it's just like the interface is really great. It runs, it just again, feels like a really good steam deck game. Like it just looks really good on that little screen it's just really pretty, uh, especially when like, I have the OLED deck and like there's if I play like on the black and white kind of text graphics mode, it just looks kind of nice. And yeah, it's just I'm, I'm having a great time with it. Really nostalgic, really cozy, really good like sound effects and music. And just, you know, as someone who like, you know, not long after 2003 made a very good Internet friend and Matt <laughs> back in those days and like made friends on the Internet and was on forums for my favorite game and things like that. I relate a lot to that. So the nostalgia there is huge. Um, I definitely was on Windows XP and it didn't look like weird, like fucking DOS <laughs> shit like this does. Yeah. But like, I don't care. That nostalgia is really fun too. It's not like my nostalgia, but I like like getting to experience that uh, that world. So yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. There's like an anachronistic there is. nostalgia to this where it's like a, a mishmash of different things. A little bit. I'll just quickly go through to, um, I'll go through to, I, like I said, I went on a buying spree. So I just wanted to like kind of say some of the steam deck games <laughs> that might be like, I don't normally do this, but like, I just bought so many steam deck. I bought Sonic mania for steam deck, which I think is going to be oh, really nice. fun. I think it's gonna be like a really good place to play that. Um, also speaking of vampire survivors, I'm a little worried that I might be like at some point getting to the end of it. So as I mentioned last week, I bought halls of torment. I bought death must die. I brought brotato. So I have like three different vampire survivors <laughs> likes to move on to after i finish vampire survivors i also downloaded halo infinite which i'm really f- excited to play on steam deck i did try it and it ran pretty nicely even in like a multiplayer nice. game i'm really hoping uh we can get a chance to play that at some point because uh, i'm definitely down for some fps action on there and i think that might be a good game for it i also like i said Videoverse, mass effect uh, i also bought fallout 4 and uh skyrim which i didn't have on steam before i played them on other oh. other platforms um, but I just think like it could be a good place to kind of like, I, I, I keep bouncing off Skyrim a little bit. Like I never fully got into it, but I just feel like the deck might be a fun, again, the graphics are kind of a little dated. And so I think it might work in that like smaller aspect yeah. ratio and it might just be kind of fun to like roam around, um, like that and have that kind of quick resume feature and just kind of pick it up. Yeah. That could be a really good way to play a Skyrim actually. I think yeah. so. Just kind of like roaming or again, if I make it my kind of my game that I, I go to every once in a while and I just have it quick resuming and every time I log, log in, like open up the deck and just run around and meet some people and whatever. So I'm kind of interested in that. I got Core Island and last, um, I also got Best Friend Forever, which I feel like is uh, one of the few dating <laughs> games you might want to play. I don't know if you've seen this, but really? it's, uh, it's basically you have a, an adorable dog and then you... Uh, join this community of people who like all love their pets and then you go on dates with them and their animals and you just like and you like bathe your little dog it's like partly like a pet owning sim and partly like a dating sim and half the stuff you guys bond over is that you both love animals that's so funny (laughs) and it's just really cute and i had it on my wish list for like i don't know two years or something and i just never 
never downloaded it or bought it or whatever because it was always like i was like i forget but it was like it wasn't cheap it was like 20 bucks or something and i was like every character is just like this trendy super trendy they're all person. like yassified super trendy <laughs> like woke <laughs> folks like yeah which but i'm like whatever like let's go um anyway it just looks adorable and like i don't know like i said i'm just kind of in this like dating sim or like romance thing going on so uh, I thought this would be like, just like, fuck it. I'm buying games to like play for the next few months until the next steam sale. So like I got to load up and I feel like this will be a vibe. So yeah, I got this too. So pretty good. Um, Matt, should you, might I'll, maybe I'll say my last game or do you want to? Yeah. Save your last one. I then I will, it. uh, I'll just mention a couple of my last things here. So the other mobile game that I played, I played this on the plane during the trip. So I, I don't like flying. Like I really I get a lot of anxiety about flying. So mm -hmm. one thing that has helped me in the past is playing Monument Valley <laughs> on the plane. And I just think Monument Valley is a really well-made mobile game. I'm not even normally a fan of like pure puzzle-based games, but Monument Valley, it's just so well done. It's a great game. It works perfectly on the phone. It's just a really good game. And, and I've got Monument Valley 2. I think I'm on the last level of Monument Valley right now, so I just need to finish that up. And then I know that there are... DLC packs for it too. So I'll look into that, but I really only play it on when I'm traveling. You know, what's funny about Monument Valley is that's a game. You know why I first played Monument Valley was because around like 2011 or something, they had, uh, when you went to Starbucks, they had like those little cards for like a free app or like a free game. And oh, really? uh, yeah, they used to do that. Cause you know, they have like the CDs at the front, but then there was this thing where you could get like a free game at the front when you like ordered your drink and they had like oh, little cool. cards and you could, because Monument Valley was like two bucks or something. Yeah. And I got it for free on there and I went home and played it. And it was great. I like spent a whole weekend playing it. It's also in uh, House of Cards. It's featured in, in an episode of House, of House of Cards, which is kind of funny. That and Call of Duty. Yeah. The, the <laughs> Kevin Spacey character, like his like wind down hobby is playing games. So yeah. Monument Valley is one of those games. And then the other thing, I watched the Super Mario Brothers movie. It was probably better than I was expecting, although I honestly kind of had high expectations for it too. Yeah. For whatever reason. But it was good. It was fine. It was perfectly, it was better than serviceable. Illumination, though. What a compliment. The, yeah. Illumination always has just the weirdest soundtrack choices in yeah. like, it's like the most poppy, just like every, like, harmless soundtracks it, like there's no risk taken ever in any of their soundtrack it's just like the <laughs> most popular songs added to the movies and that's always my least favorite part of that stuff not that i am a huge illumination movie fan but especially in super mario brothers it just felt very out of place but the actual animation was phenomenal it was amazing it was some of the best animation i've ever seen in a movie and wow. i think it's worth watching alone just for that how was chris pratt he was fine he was better fine. than serviceable. Better than serviceable. I think that they did a good job of explaining away not having to do to do the silly voices. You haven't seen the movie, obviously. No, I right? don't care if you explain it. They spoil it, though. I don't care. It's like the first scene. So yeah. Luigi and Mario are are plumbers, obviously, <laughs> and they have like a commercial playing at the start of the yes, movie I've for their that. new plumbing company. And in the commercial, they're doing like the super italian voices to like for the purposes of making yeah. the commercial more like authentic or funny or whatever yeah. and then in actuality like in real life they have fairly normal like brooklyn accents so yeah 
that's kind of their way of explaining it away where they're they're trying to play up their characters for their plumbing company but they're not actually like that so it's I will say I think Charlie Day does a better Luigi than Chris Pratt did a Mario but they both work fine and the way they explain it is was smart I'm glad that they did something like that instead of just being like this is Chris Pratt with like a slight Brooklyn accent <laughs> you know yeah, super fair they, they, they at least gave a reason why and so that's that's Everything I played, or at least everything I can remember that I played over the last couple of weeks here, a lot of games, a lot more to come. Obviously, we discussed our massive backlogs heading into 2024 last week, so excited to get to more of those. Obviously, Death Store was one of those, so I, uh, I'm i chipping away at the backlog already in the, in the first week of, of January here. Hell yeah. I have one more game, and that is that I finally got around to starting to play Hogwarts Legacy. Yeah. Uh, Rachel and I, I mean, specifically Rachel and I played, I, I we were kind of trading off, and uh, she was kind of primarily playing a little bit, but then I, I kind of subbed in. But uh, yeah, ultimately, uh, really great. Uh, sorry, I thought I heard trumpets in the background, but it was just my chair squeaking, so... <laughs> <laughs> if anyone hears that, that's what was going on. I was getting really distracted. I was like, but John Cena was yeah, I did. It did or something like that. Um, but yeah, so I did play Hogwarts Legacy. Um, and yeah, it's pretty cool. I got I, I, you know, I'm, I'm not gonna like spend a lot of time because I've only played three hours, four hours. But yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, it's pretty good. It's it's about what I thought it would be. Again, I'm. I was pretty disappointed that it wasn't going to be like some persona, like, you know, school sim, whatever game. I, I think I was yeah. pretty vocal about for no reason. I had that <laughs> expectation. They didn't lead me to have that expectation, but I did like a few people and uh, it wasn't that. And that's fine, but that's what I wanted it to be. And uh, it's, it's cool. I, I think uh, I'm definitely enjoying it. I'm definitely glad I spent 40 bucks on it. Like it's super reasonable. I'm having a like, Canadian I'm I'm having uh, a really good time so far. Uh, the, I mean, it's beautiful. I'm definitely all. I just I'm definitely already feeling the you know mile wide, inch deep kind of vibe a little bit. And I know I, I'm not. And I'm not saying it to like have you defend it or I'm, if you want to, you definitely can. I'm definitely not like feeling like I'm trying to attack it or anything. I just like don't. I personally am not feeling like I'm feeling charmed. I think like yeah. the atmosphere is really charming, but I'm just feeling like. A lot of the characters feel kind of flat. I think the voice acting is is fine. Like it, it just it just feels serviceable, like better than serviceable, but it feels like a video game and not like a world I'm being yeah. transported into. It feels gamey. It feels like something from like 10 years ago kind of a game, which I know is silly to say cuz like stuff like BioShock Infinite came out 10 years ago, but you know what I mean? It's like a like an open world game from like, you know, from before and uh i'm definitely enjoying it the opening scene is really amazing uh getting you know choosing your wand is amazing choosing your house is incredible the common room is amazing but it's like i go to the beautiful we're at hufflepuffs go to the hufflepuff common room it's gorgeous beautiful i can eat cake i can drink tea yeah. i love that stuff it's amazing i'm a hufflepuff of course i'm gonna enjoy that stuff but there's no real reason for me to go there or like anything to do it's just kind of there i can roam around the castle and explore stuff but like I'm just kind of running around the castle. Like I don't need to be in a lot of the spaces. I know as I play more, like obviously I'm going to classrooms and stuff and going to certain things. It's a but lot of shit to find too. A lot of secrets. No, I know. But I'm just like, I guess I just like, it's very much on me. And it's like what I was already kind of just not super hyped about. And so I'm going to, I think I'm going to enjoy playing the story, even though I know the story is kind of apparently one of the weaker points or like the, the main story. I hear people say the writing's kind of like meh, 
but like i don't really care because i'm just excited to play like a harry potter-esque story i think it'll be just like fun and goofy and like an enjoyable kind of cheesy experience and i'm down for that i think the combat's really fun and like it's simple but like really enjoyable i think like the swish flick wand stuff is really nice and i like the modifiers to like use different you know abilities so that's the one that's one thing i really wanted to mention so this is a slow ramp up sort of game you really do need to keep playing for things to really start to get more interesting combat is a huge that was a definite misstep from them it took way too long for combat to ramp up but it once you get like a full page of spells and then a second full page of spells combat gets really interesting yeah and pretty enjo- honestly it's very fluid it's really yeah. enjoyable but it takes too long to get to that point but just keep playing i, I promise you the game gets better and sure. then then at a certain point you're like okay i've done this for 20 hours or whatever now it's starting to get a little bit repetitive and old and, and feel it more like a classic open world game. Yeah, but I heard keep, that a lot. Keep going. Was like a lot of people say like get the, to that the first half was like their favorite part and then the second half kind of got a little bit over. Like especially people said like you kind of go out to the outskirts of you kind of push to the outskirts of Hogwarts a lot more and so it's not like as oh, yeah. charming and It's a huge map. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. It's a massive fucking Listen, map. I'm excited to fly. I think the spell casting just feels really good, especially like again like on console, you know, the way the haptics feel and stuff from like and I'm playing on Xbox, I'm not even playing on like the dual sense, but like I just find that like, you know, doing Accio when you find the pages flying around just feels really good. And like putting stuff back together with Reparo, even though it's just point and hold the button or whatever, it just feels good. Like all the stuff feels really good. And so I love that. The spellcasting is great. Obviously going to the classes is charming. I'm having a nice time. It's a charming game. I just like, I know, I just, there's always this thing for me where I'm just kind of like, ah, it's charming, but like, I feel like if I like accidentally peek behind like a layer, I'd immediately kind of feel like it's if you know what I mean? Like the, if the IP weren't there, I would never play this game based on like having the interact again for me as someone who like likes the interactions of like having dialogue and stuff. I have these interactions with other people in the school and they just all sound like kind of droning robots. Like I don't, they don't feel like people to me. feels like I've lost my book. Can you help me find it? It's on top of that building and then i have to like go and do an accio and do the whatever and it's like you don't feel like a person <laughs> saying that so you said like if, if it wasn't the ip i don't know if i'd be playing it i think it's really interesting because i think you can say that for a lot of games that's true the weird thing about hogwarts legacy though is that it wouldn't be the same game of course if it wasn't harry potter I because agree. it is so like the the good things about it and so much of the gameplay is so specific to the harry potter ip that it's it's very interesting because you a lot of games you can separate it like the new Avatar game that just came out it's Far Cry but Avatar like yep. you could say like if you know I don't know who's like super into the Avatar IP but you could say like well if it were just any other game it would just be Far Cry or whatever. You can't really I don't know if you can really say that about Hogwarts Legacy. The other thing that I did want to say I I also think there's a lot to be desired about the game. But I do think a sequel is very intriguing because remember the previous game from Avalanche before Hogwarts Legacy was Cars 3 Driven to Win. So they've come a long way. (laughs) I I do think that like, yeah, I I don't want to hold my breath, but I do think there's two, they could definitely rest on their laurels and make a very similar game. But I think there is possibility for them to do something deeper. And I'm definitely interested in that, seeing something where they have um, maybe because it succeeded so much, really succeeded um, monetarily and commercially and everything. So I think looking at that, like if they have more resources, maybe something that feels a little bit more 2020s, uh, then I'm like super down. And I mean, obviously it's beautiful, like graphically, visually, it's it's quite modern and great looking. So yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, 
I think I think the thing instead of saying like I wouldn't play this if it weren't for the IP, I think instead I would say like my favorite part about the game is the IP, and like I was hoping it would be like just like I was hoping the world of Hogwarts Legacy would kind of pull me in, and so far I'm just like oh it's it's like Harry Potter, and that's the thing I like the most. Yeah. Not like oh this like ho- like Hogwarts in the 1800s is like the thing that's like charming me. It's like ah it's just like it's it's close to Harry Potter, but I don't know it is neat. I like. I will say the drip in this game is unreal. The outfits yeah, yeah. are not just my outfits. Everyone's outfits are like sick as hell. Like cool, yeah. it's really cool. And I like that everyone kind of sounds a little 1800s. It's neat. I, I, like I said, I'm kind of giving it a hard time because I just like, I, I presuppose some things and they, they did kind of come true for me a little bit so far where it does feel a little generic or just like not, it doesn't feel like it has its own, identity outside of the Harry Potter world, like the Harry Potter movies and books for me, like where it feels like its own thing yet, but I've only played a little bit. So I don't want to like fully judge it and say it's that way. Um, I have to give it more time, but I, I also hear people say like, if you give it more time, you just even you go down that hole even more of like, it feels yeah. kind of like there's not, so we'll see. I, I'm really early, so I'm going to keep playing it and I'll, I'll keep you, I'll keep you looped in, but uh, it is nice. Rachel and I definitely had some magic moments of like, you know, picking our wand and, going through and seeing like i know as like a as like a book fan you know rachel was able to like pick out so like oh that statue is this character who did this and they like were they were in the book and they did this thing and and you know the ghosts and oh like i'm like i forgot all this shit like i don't remember any of this stuff (laughs) she remembers like everyone's name i'm like okay nice by the way you mentioned it making a lot of money it was the number one selling game in 2023. So that's, that's what I meant. Yeah, I did know that. <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah, it was wildly successful. So oh, above Call of Duty. <laughs> Imagine how transformative that is going to be for Avalanche Software. Yeah. Going from basically a contract studio making Disney and like Nickelodeon games and shit like that to you just had the number one selling game in a single year. Like that is wild. That's changes the entire trajectory of that company. That's so, that's so cool for them. Really, really cool. I'm glad. Again, it may not be exactly what I wanted it to be, or it may not be like a ten out of ten. But I think that like the idea that they were able to like come out with like a, a really great game that everyone loved and sold a lot, and even if it was like partly based on the IP, they lived up to what they needed to. And I think like amazing oh, yeah. for them. And I, I just like I'm, I'm psyched for them. I'm psyched to see them make more games like that. Or like again, kind of maybe iterate. But yeah, I don't know. Interesting. That's the kind of change for a studio that like they can they can be whoever they want to be now. Like they don't have to do IP work. They don't have yeah. to do contract work. They can make whatever the hell they want to make now. Yeah. So that's it's just a very cool opportunity. Like they don't have to live by those contracts anymore. If they want to create their own IP now, they can go ahead and do that. Very cool. All right. Well, very good. A lot of games. A lot of games. A lot, lot more to play this week too. I'm sure there'll be oh yeah even more next week i hope i'm gonna be narrowed in a bit more this week at least yeah probably yeah all right well let's move on to a special shout out paul and i are going to give a special shout out to anyone or anything of our choice from the world of video games and provide a quick reason why it's lucky someone is getting this attention a special shout out to the two-man dev team at acid nerve for putting together an awesome game in death store honestly really impressive i mean you see a lot of impressive solo dev games small teams but Two people putting this together is extremely impressive. So good job on that. You deserve all the success that that has come your way with Death Store. Paul, your special shout out. Yeah, special shout out and to Kim Kitsuragi from Disco Elysium. 
uh, heard this special shout out before. I think Mike made this shout out a couple of years ago on the, on the old pod, but yeah, um, I just want to win you over so bad, Kim. I just want you to be my best friend. And, uh, I know you don't trust me quite yet. You're a little, a little apprehensive, but I promise I'm going straight edge and, uh, I'm going to be a good cop for you. Good buddy. There you go. Shout out to Kim. Thank you so much for joining us here on the Gaming Our 30s podcast. If you really like the show, we do encourage you to check out patreon.com slash goodnightgroups. We have two different tiers available there. Any support is greatly appreciated, but the $3 plus tier is going to get you access to this podcast three days early. And a special shout out to the people supporting us in the $5 plus tier. That's the honorary groups. That is Andre D., Cole T, James S, and Jeremy R. A round of applause for them, please. We also ask that you take a couple minutes to drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure to check out goodnightgroups.com for all of the content. You're also going to find a link there to the community Discord where you can come hang out with everyone and get the quickest updates from us. A link is in the show notes as well, so you can get it there as well. But before we get out of here, Paul, do we have any final thoughts? I hope everyone's having a great kind of new year so far and work isn't crushing you too much. And uh, feel free to let us know in the Discord, like, what games are you starting the year off with? Did you get anything great in the Steam sale? Like, what's up? Oh, yeah. That'll do it for us here today. Thank you for joining us. Take care, everyone. Good night, Griffs.